0: Brent Martineau.
1: You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jacks.
2: Austin Lane.
1: He's a former Jag star and current MMA
2: fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jarrett Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com.
0: This is not the Will Cage Show.
2: Brent Martineau, <laughs> Austin Lane.
0: Not quite. News here on a rainy Thursday. One week into camp, one week away from the first preseason game. We are in uh, the bridge of Thursdays, if you will. Star-studded camp today. Peyton Manning. Oh, the fan base. Oh, yes. Was not happy with Peyton Manning, the former nemesis, being out at practice, being invited in to team headquarters to talk to the team. He's probably scouting for the Colts a little bit. Or the Broncos. Or the Broncos.
3: Good call. Yes.
0: Keep an eye on Peyton. Yep. He was there, invited by Tom Coughlin. Uh, Peter King was there. He was. Peter King had some nice things to say about Austin Lane. Yeah, I,
3: I may have paid him off a little bit, but I appreciate it. <laughs> we'll get into that in a moment. And Ronan was there, the yeah. biggest star of all. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, my son was there, hanging out. Um You know, it was one of those things where... When training camp started, I promised him that I would take him to at least see one practice and see the Jaguars because uh, he is a big fan of them and he's a big fan of football. And it just so happened this was like the last day uh, that was open to the public. So if nothing else, Brent, I am a man of my word. So I, I kind of had to bring uh, the, you know my son on the road today with me a little bit. And uh, it, it was a warm one for him, but thankfully we managed. You mentioned Peyton Manning, though and peyton manning's son was there as well in case you didn't notice so my whole time i'm trying to like you know hey ronan go talk to peyton manning's son and become best friends with him please and let's get some of that uh let's get some of that all-state money whatever else, you know what i'm saying <laughs> and uh but you know he he's he's a big brent Martino fan not because he watches you on tv because uh you're always nice to him and you gave him the whole monster jam package so the whole time it was uh where's brent where's brent and i'm like listen Brent may not be here. Let's go focus on Peyton Manning's son, all right? Brent Brent may let you down today, but Brent shows up, and then Ronan was excited to see him. Had to get a high five and a hug. But, yeah, uh, baby. Yeah, it was, it was a cool
0: experience today. Yeah, so the moral of that story right there, if you just heard it on
3: Action Sports Chats <laughs> on
0: ESPN 690, is Peyton Manning or Brent Martineau, Ronan. Brent Martin. Oh, hands down. (laughs) Uh, As everybody should. Uh, So welcome in. Uh, We'll talk a little more about the Fred Taylor saga. Boy, Fred's not backing down in terms of some of the commentary, too. I thought, you know, this could be one of those tweets where he he puts it out there yesterday. We had Maurice Jones Drew to talk about it uh, yesterday. Uh, Good timing in that sense. And he thought, okay, maybe it goes away. Well, not really everybody that's chimed in in the discussion point. He's gone back and forth with people and and, not, and that's cool. I mean that's if you're going to put that out there to go back and forth I, I uh, think that's pretty good uh, by Fred Taylor. So uh, really fascinating. You know what I thought about? Thank you Jacksonville Jaguars. That's really what I want to say. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What they have done to keep us a little busy. Yeah. Create the drama off the Listen, Camp's boring. Come on. Camp's football starting up. It's fun. But fine. You, you, camp's boring. Yanni Kengakwe's in holdout day number nine. Fred Taylor not happy with being the second best Jaguar of all time. That sparked debate over the last 24 hours. We always have, whether it's Jalen Ramsey coming in a brink struck, What's Leonard Fournette doing these days? Mm -hmm. Telvin Smith saying I'm not playing in 2019, and he's not playing in 2019. We need one big giant thank you promo for the Jacksonville Jaguars here in year one of ESPN 690. It's been one of the most entertaining, drama-filled off-seasons.
3: Since I've been here, which is now covering a dozen years, so uh, thank you, thank well, you, thank, thank you. And I'm happy as well. This is my first year, you know, going to the off season, uh, being part of the media. And I remember we, you know, we'd always talk about we have to be careful because the dog days of summer, we have to find things to talk about, you know, because it's kind of a dead time in sports, even in football. And needless to say, we've had a lot of things to talk about. So uh, um, I guess I'm kind of accustomed to this now. I'm not ready for next year when things are probably going <laughs> to die down a little bit, and we're you know we're going to be searching for those stories to tell... talk about Super Bowl champs then. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, Super Bowl champs and probably Jalen Ramsey contract, yeah, maybe yeah. Miles yeah. Jack contract. So yeah, if you think yeah. it's cooling down,
0: we got a Jalen uh, Ramsey we're just, contract. we're just ahead. Up, man. It's just <laughs> <We> getting <laughs> we started. Are, we are just Season getting started. Two. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> so it'll be a lot of fun to to continue to follow some of these stories. But this was was unexpected. The and and I do want to make it clear and I, and I think although it can come off like this and I think there's a lot of talk right now well Fred was better or or Fred did, was more impactful Fred played longer I really don't I think you have to be careful with these things this is any of this conversation is not a knock on either guy both great players both deserving of hall of fame not only consideration but I think being in the Hall of Fame and Fred's got a long road to go because there's been so much talk about Tony Baselli. But I do think once Baselli knocks down that Canton door, it opens things up for guys like Fred Taylor. And I think that's why there's been such a push. I think so many people believe that if Baselli can get in, well, then it opens the door to what else did those other guys do? That's kind of the way this stuff works. So uh, and I'm not guaranteeing that Fred's going to get in. But the conversation will now turn to Fred Taylor. So I think that's why so many people have pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed for Baselli, and not necessarily had Fred in the conversation as much because you got to go one at a time here uh, in the dominoes falling down. So I, I just I think uh, sometimes over the last 24 hours, it's like, well, no, Baselli didn't do this. And and Fred was better at this or no, Baselli was this and Fred was this it's like, wait a minute now, let's stop and remember. These are the, and, and and rightfully so, I think, you can say the two greatest players in franchise history. yeah. And, and whether you want to put them 1-2 two, and 2-1, two, whatever way you want to put it, and I think Jimmy Smith deserves a lot of attention for that too, but I don't think he is mm-hmm. up there at 1 or 2. I think these are the two guys that should be mentioned as the best in franchise history. But we shouldn't knock the other in doing so in your debate. You know, it's yeah. this is this isn't like a Blake Bortles, Nick Foles conversation. You can talk to Nick Foles and knock Blake Bortles. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't be talking Fred Taylor and knock Baselli, or talking Baselli and knock Fred Taylor. And I think we just gotta you still want to celebrate these guys. That's what this was all about. And hats off to Jaguars. dot com because this thing uh, was a good idea. It's been a fun series. Yeah. A hat tip to what they've done on this series. But Fred Taylor just made this thing way more popular than they ever thought no, it was going to sure. be over Absolutely. the last couple
3: of days. And you know, <laughs> when we're talking about this whole Fred Taylor situation, um, you know, he he never uh, he never really hammered on Tony Baselli. Like you know, he they're former teammates. Yeah, you know? he like, made sure not to. He, I'm saying everybody sure. else. Yeah, but everybody else. And you know, from the, from Fred Taylor kind of having an issue with the Jaguars, I honestly think like when I read that tweet and everything, and kind of knowing the history. Uh, of Fred Taylor, because to be fair, but I'll be honest with you, growing up as a kid, and this is no knock to Tony Bassali whatsoever, but you know Fred Taylor was kind of the household name because he was the running back, right? He was the guy that was scoring the touchdowns. He was the guy in all the highlights. So, like as a kid, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, I mean. If you had that Fred Taylor, you know, tops trading card, uh, you had a pretty good trading card on your hands, you know. So he was to me the more household name growing up as a kid. But I now, would agree with you, by the way. I yeah. was
0: not here and I would say the same thing. Yeah. I knew Fred Taylor. Yeah. I, I mean listen I don't know I didn't know left tackles. I didn't know left I don't know left tackles on other teams now. Mm-hmm. And that's not a knock again on Baselli. it's just that he played a more Relevant, kind of in-the-spotlight, statistic-based
3: position. Yeah, and it wasn't until I got to the Jacksonville Jaguars that I realized that there might have been um, some discrepancies with Fred Taylor and the media, you know, because there was the whole narrative of the whole fragile Fred Taylor mm-hmm. thing. And, uh, you know, we heard Maurice Jones talk about it a little bit yesterday where that wasn't the case at all. I mean, you know, he's a guy that was really close to Fred Taylor, and to, to call a guy fragile, listen, to call any uh, football player Ooh, fragile, that's tough. soft, Whatever, whatever the, the word you want to use, whatever the synonym, um, that is an insult not only to someone's character, but also their manhood. So I think That's that. That's why I like to call you soft sometimes. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. And just wait till the response comes back <laughs> your way. But, uh, I think when Fred Taylor, you know, received some of those, um, those criticisms, uh, whether they're fair or not, which I think they were not fair, but we'll say whatever, whatever you want about it. But when the media started calling him soft, that obviously pissed Fred Taylor off a little bit. And then we looked to uh, this whole ranking thing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who was in charge of putting this whole list together? It was the media. So I think the fact that maybe Fred's kind of had it out for the media a little bit. Um, you can kind of put two and two together where – he's not necessarily happy with them, per se, and it's not to say, I mean, and listen, I don't know who's still left from the original regime with the media, and I'm not sure who the new guys are. Like You're obviously a new guy. I doubt you ever called Fred Taylor uh, fragile by any means, but um, I'm sure a lot of guys maybe that are still on the radio to today kind of agreed with that sentiment, so I think Fred's a little upset with the media more than he is with the team, because after all, it was the media um, that voted for, for the list. Yeah, this
0: is not a, a knock against the team. I mean, they might have done the actual 25 the All-25, their their digital site. Yeah. But yeah, this is – and this – I don't – he has obviously an objection to the voters. Um, but even the Fragile Fred and all that stuff, that came from a national – it starts here, but I don't think guys here mm-hmm. ever – Disrespected Fred. Fred never thought Fred was great. Thought he was fragile. All I know, that for stuff. Sure. I mean, it's everything. The narratives all start but, locally, yeah. but they take on a new meaning on the on the national well, scale. And, and, and that's good with Fragile Fred.
3: And I'm just going to give you the, the player's perspective, Brett. I'm not saying this is right whatsoever, but if that word got out, you know, if the whole Fragile Fred thing got out, you can blame the local media. But all of a sudden. You're typecasted. You fall into the media. You know it doesn't matter if you said it or not. If one guy said it, you all said it. Yeah. You know. So from a from a player's perspective, um, you know, if you're upset with one player and then the media or one person in the media, you're kind of upset with everybody. Yeah. And the, the Jalen <laughs> Ramsey and his uh, whole thing a well, couple true, years ago. Yeah. True. I mean, you know, it's just, yeah. just the way it is. That's,
0: that's a that's a that's a great example of it. Yeah. You know, you kind of just put it out there. In uh, in a blanket way, exactly. And, and the funny thing, listen, I've worked with Fred on the preseason broadcast the last couple of years. He was doing the, he was in the booth That's with right. Brian Sexton on CBS forty seven and Fox thirty. He's done some radio work. He's on the jumbotron now, the big video boards. Mm-hmm. So he's he's actually like a part of the media, yeah, in yeah. a sense, yeah. you know. um but this has been burning in him, and, and it burns he – he he is proud of his career. He should be proud of his career. The mm-hmm. numbers, the 4.6 we talked about yesterday a lot, I mean, those things do add up. And, it again, it was not a knock. It was more of a feeling, I think, of, man, I, I have not got my due for what kind of career I had. And, and yeah. Maurice Jones spoke to that a little bit, and Fred's going to continue to speak to that. I, I think it's fine. It's interesting. I think it – it's a good way to put it out there. I don't know if it was handled very well. That The tone of that tweet mm-hmm. was a lit on acceptance day that you're the second best player in franchise history. I'm not sure it was the right time and place, although it got a lot of people's attention. And maybe it gets people talking and, and applauding Fred and, and bringing him his name back up. So maybe it's something that had to be done. Sure. Uh, even though it was very unfred like, at least the one we know. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't hang out with Fred Taylor, but I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years and that's not a Fred I was a little shocked. I mean we were on this on the air when it happened, I was like, Whoa, yeah. wow. That was a little surprising. So hey by the way, we'll have Tony Baselli on tonight <laughs> on Jaguars All Access at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale, 7 o'clock and on Fox 30. And uh, we'll talk about the Fred Taylor comments. Sure. We're not going to shy away from it, so we'll talk about the Fred Taylor comments. More on the Jags. What's happening today? Josh Allen, Peyton Manning, and more next on ESPN six Night.
4: I was there. Like, I saw what Fred was able to do, and I'm, I'm a big-time Fred Taylor supporter. You know that. I feel
3: like Fred is the best player uh, in our franchise. Um, I understand why Tony Baselli would be number one, though, as well. I know eleven years of that position to play the way Fred played,
5: I I can understand why he's upset.
0: Well, that's Maurice Jones-Drew yesterday right here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Long conversation with Mojo. And we had Maurice Jones-Drew on to talk about the Yannick Ngakwe holdout, which is now at nine days. And that situation, because Mojo's the last player to really hold out, uh, maybe of any kind, but definitely of significance, back in 2012. So he took us behind the scenes on that a little bit. And at the same time, a half hour prior, Fred Taylor had tweeted his displeasure at being the uh, number two on the All-25 on Jaguars.com. And, uh, well, uh, Maurice Jones drew commenting about that. They had just talked the night prior. So, uh, as always, you can check out the entire interview, Action Sports Chats, on ESPN 690 Podcast or any of the video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, and Twitch. As well, thanks for hanging with us here on our rainy Thursday drive safe. I know it was a big accident I think on ninety five earlier. Uh, I'm not sure if that's cleared away, but uh, make sure you travel safe on the rainy day. Uh, Jacksonville does not know how to drive in the rain. That's been proven, <laughs> and we've all lived it. so be careful. Peyton Manning invited to Jacksonville Jaguars camp by Tom Coughlin mm-hmm. and spoke to the team today was out at practice. There was a segment of the fans, at least that I was watching on Twitter during practice, they did not like the idea of this.
3: That's a division rival, man. You heard yesterday talking about the Miami Dolphins kid who won the autograph from Josh Allen.
0: Yeah. It's I division rivals. Okay, but that was like a while ago now.
3: Some wounds take a long time to heal. Hey, Brent, I'm, hey, believe me, if anybody should dislike Peyton Manning, it should be me, alright? I was part of those teams where the Colts, uh, kind of slammed the door on us going to the playoffs, uh, 2010. So, yeah, if anyone has a reason to dislike Peyton Manning, it's, you know, it's me as well. But at the same time, the guy knows the quarterback position. Uh, the guy knows a thing about winning. And I guess if he can, um, you know, exemplifying any uh, any advice to to the team or any uh, just motivation, then so be it. But it is kind of weird that you know he would be with the Jaguars, or not like the culture somebody. But if Tom Coffin invites you, I guess you got to show up. I'm sure he's bouncing
0: around. I don't know exactly where yeah. he's gone. He's done the uh, that that NFL 100 thing, which looks pretty cool. I haven't seen any of it yet. I think it just launched uh, earlier this week. But I think he has some really fun stuff. And and Manning is talented. I, I guess i understand it when he's playing against you 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 hate the guy you don't like the guy he's a rival he beats you all those things but at the same time there's a reverence about peyton manning as well i mean he's reached that status now he's been out of the league long enough he's been away from indianapolis and the afc south long enough uh i you know you see a picture of calais campbell today and and he just tweeted out uh with with peyton manning i mean i think there's an appreciation for that guy who's done it so well and at the at the top level uh I was just a little taken aback by the fans. Everyone's reaction. all tent Yeah. But in a bigger way, and I asked just to ask I think it's on,
3: more of just kind of joking around though to be, well, to be fair. I don't, I don't know. know no, you think know, it's so on the jokes Dude, around at the end of the day the guy's a winner and you want as many winners around on your team or uh, by your team as possible.
0: So. And that's and that's where I wanted to go with it, really. I mean, and I welcome you in Star Star Six Ninety. If you, if you have some thoughts on Peyton Manning and why you were like get that guy out of Jacksonville, uh, or <laughs> if you didn't have a problem with it, let us know. And I just put the question out there on social media, but. What I wanted to ask you from a player perspective is we see guys like this. We saw Deion Sanders come in. He talked to the defensive backs. And, again, that's, that's another, if I'm a football player and Deion Sanders is talking to me, I'm like, hey, that's really cool. Like, if they wanted to bring into our facility here Bob Costas or somebody, even though he's an NBC guy and we work at CBS and Fox and ESPN, you know, I'm like, that's really cool. All right, I'm going to listen to what that guy says. Sure. Uh, so I get it from a football player's standpoint. My question is, does this stuff really resonate? Is this – is this just like part of coaching 101 where you got to get guys fired up? you got to get them motivated. you got to break up the monotony. Does it work? Does it register? Remember, we all did these assemblies in school, man. And we all did those <laughs> things. Where they the got everybody, turned right, nine of, hey, we get out of math class, great. Now yeah. we're going to go sit here for an hour and 15 minutes and listen to some guy speak. Sure. You know? Yeah. But I will say about those speakers, and I always say this. There are a couple that register with me even to this day. Like I'm the same I, way, I remember man. them bringing in a, a a person that had been hit in a car across in a train track, and I feel like I've ever since then, man. I always, I I I think I abide by the. I always think of that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think we all would anyway. You don't want to get blasted by a train, sure. but I just remember, like it actually brings me back to that assembly, yeah. whatever it was, because yep. it was so like, oh my gosh, I saw the car, I saw yep. the what happened and then there was another one i always say this from a 401k standpoint at some point in like middle school or whatever somebody came in and did this little presentation on on probably life skills but okay there was like a 401k in middle school i, I don't know when it was i do th- i do think it was middle school you, right? you must
3: go to private school huh no i didn't oh okay no. well dang but public school set your games up i it, see it. all
0: i remember is them putting on a uh, uh like a projector yeah um or whatever those things were called. Yeah, back then, I but, got you. Like
3: the old red projector Yeah, I got you.
0: And it showed like if you put a thousand dollars in when you're 22 years old and you do yeah. this, it will someday equal. And it was this astronomical number. I was like, yeah. Oh, that sounds pretty good. I guess somebody would I tell me have... that little uh, speech <laughs> there. So if that's yeah. So I guess my point is. They stick sometimes with they resonate now, listen, I went to about fifty assemblies in my career. I remember two of them
3: <laughs> yeah so, i 'm kind of the same way. I mean the reason i 've shared this story before. the reason I never did steroids was because we had a steroid assembly like uh, performance enhancing drugs, and I remember watching the video that this guy shared, and supposedly what happened was the guy was taking you know some kind of anabolic steroid and he lost his leg because of it. Now, did the guy lose his leg because of taking steroids? I have no idea, but it was a very graphic uh, as a very graphic video because it actually showed the surgery where the guy lost his leg. So I'm like, yeah, I'm never doing steroids. I don't care if this story is true or not. I there you am. go. And I was in high school, dude, so pretty aggressive video. But, uh, yeah, never did it because of that. So, okay, but you, play, you sat in these rooms. Who, who, sure. who came and talked to you when you were with the um, Jags or the
0: Chiefs? Yep. The, and so, did it resonate? Does it work for these guys or is it just <laughs> like, oh, here we go again? First
3: of all, before we get started with this, just remind me of a really quick short story. Chicago Bears. Mike Dicka comes in. Oh. Huh. Uh, you know, I mean, a legend, if yeah. you will. And, uh, growing up in the Midwest, you know who Dick is. Dick comes down the aisle, you know, he's, he's wearing the, the traditional garb. He's got like he's the, the sweater. sweater. Yeah, yeah, he's got the sweater and the, <laughs> the, you know, the shades or whatever, chewing his gum, like literally smacking on his gum, like you would picture Dick doing. And Jay Cutler sitting in the front row. And, uh, Dick comes up to the front, and Cutler's got it because Cutler always wore his hat backwards. Dick gets up to the front, and the first thing that Dick says, Hey, Jay. Let's turn the hat around, huh? <laughs> and and Jay's, like and Jay's like, no, I'm okay. And Dick is like, the back in my day, we wore hats a certain way. And that was it. Like not, not joking around. He wasn't like joking. I j- wasn't joking around. Yeah. So uh off to a kind of a rough start with his <laughs> speech, man, because <laughs> telling Jay Culler to turn his hat around and Color wouldn't agree with it. But um I'll say this, because, yeah, we we had we had guys that would come and talked about money management, um leadership, like, you know, team, team rah rah kind of things. But the ones that stood out to me were the players. It was the, the former players or even the former coaches, but but for sure the former players. Uh we had Singletary come and talk to us in Chicago as well. That one stood out to me. Um it was always the former players. And I'm I'm blanking on the guy's name and please forgive me. Um the the guy who got shot in Jacksonville oh, um, Richard Kelly. Richard, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh he was one of the first ones that came to talk to us my rookie year, and that one really stood out to me a lot because number one, he's a former player, and number two just to kinda hear his story and say N- nothing good happens past two a.m. I'm like noted, noted right there, you know. Yeah. And um, I took that one to heart. So so he went to the lemon bar until one fifty nine. Austin <laughs> Lane did, like every day. <laughs> Come on. It wasn't 11. It was more than that, too. Uh, it, was, it was all the Jack Speech bars. But uh, so it was always the former players, though, or, or like a, a popular coach that really struck a nerve with me. I think my other teammates. And I think with Peyton Manning, you know, while yes, he is a division rival or a former division rival, but like I said, the guy's a proven winner, uh, a Super Bowl champion, an MVP. So anytime you have a guy that comes in and talks to you like that, the player is going to take notice and take notes and everything.
0: Keep in mind, nobody on this team, nobody, not one on this roster, unless I'm missing somebody, was. On any of those teams playing against Peyton Manning, Avery Jones? No, no, I no, don't think so. No. Now, they've uh they've played well, against Peyton Manning, like Calais Campbell's picked them off, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, from like an AFC South rivalry, no, when, nobody's
3: felt that. When, when Avery would have played Peyton, it would have been in Denver. I think. in Yeah.
0: Hey Seth's been hanging on the line, uh, and I asked if you wanted to jump in on these uh, the Peyton talk, and here he is, Seth. What's happening, man? Thanks for uh, jumping on ESPN six ninety.
6: Yeah, yeah, appreciate it uh, for taking my call. First thing, uh, Austin, really appreciate the Jay Cutler story. Always love a good Jay Cutler story. That was one of the better ones. So.
3: <laughs> Can't go wrong with him, man. You cannot go wrong with a good Jay Cutler story. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Anyways, uh yeah, my take with the whole Peyton Manning thing, I mean, you definitely want your players to be around that kind of greatness. And I think like Brent said, um, you know, having him around, none of those guys that are on Jacksonville squad right now, you know, were on the team when they were playing them. But from a fan perspective, I mean, I'm a Browns fan. I grew up in Ohio. I mean, if it's 30 years down the road and uh, Ben Roethlisberger shows up to like a a Browns, you know, training camp or something, yeah. I mean, as a fan, I'm I'm definitely booing him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. And that is, that is a good uh, example, by the way. That one right there, especially because Ben Roethlisberger
3: beat the Browns a bunch, much like Peyton yeah. Manning beat the Jags a bunch. Right, exactly. Uh, I have a quick question for you, man. Uh, Since we're kind of off the topic here, but I want to bring this question up because something we discussed on the show before, and I haven't had a chance to ask it yet, you said you're a Browns fan, Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so I was Sorry. You, <laughs> Well, hey, there's a lot of optimism <laughs> this year. But, um, yeah, there is, yeah. So, you know, being, being a diehard Browns fan like you are, like, what is your take now with NFL players, you know, after the game, like trading jerseys? Like, for instance, say the Browns play the Steelers, the Browns get beat, and all of a sudden you see all the players talking in the, to the to the Steelers after the game. Like, does that bother you as a fan, or are you just kind of okay with the way the NFL is going now?
6: No, i I definitely say I'm okay with that, Um I mean, yeah, those guys are all kind of in a brotherhood together, and these guys are switching teams, you know, um, more than ever it seems like as well. And and plus for me, like, I'm I'm from Columbus, so a big Buckeye fan. A lot of times I've even seen, you know, different Buckeye players. They like to exchange. So I I think that's a lot of what's going on too. These guys know each other from, you know, whether it's high school or even just college. So I'm cool with that.
0: Okay, cool. All right, Seth, thanks for listening, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for checking in. All right, uh, Seth. Checking in the Peyton Man in front. You're welcome to to Star Star 690. Uh, so overall, you get a lot of visitors, right? When you're playing in yeah. camp, yeah, yeah, yeah. A decent amount. I mean, they sure. already had two oh, Deion yeah. Sanders, Peyton Manning. Yep. Some
3: register, some don't. I guess fair enough. Yeah, like I said, if they're if their players are, you know, there's been the inspirational stories too. Um, one that we had, I, I keep on bringing up Chicago, <laughs> I guess you know, I think Tressman had a good uh, a good plan, but Tresman brought around the guy and i forgot the guy's name again please forgive me but he was they did a documentary on him he was like the free solo guy that was um he's, he's like a rock climber but he doesn't use any of the gear so like he he oh, okay. he basically he, he, he just you know traverses mountains without any gear on and uh that was an interesting one too his whole like mindset now yes rock climbing and football two different things but like the way that he approached it with his practice and just um his mindset there were some comparisons, so that was an interesting one as well. well. But, you know, like I,
0: we know locally he does this. And I've read a lot of his books, yeah. and I think he's got John Gordon. And, yeah. and he does a lot of the inspirational talks, the positivity talks. And I think he was just with Cleveland, actually, this week. Yeah, But he's done stuff with Clemson. I think he's been here in Jacksonville before and, and, and talked to the Jags. You know, so... Obviously, he's a believer in it, and I think teams and coaches are a believer in it. It changes up the monotony, and at least if there's one simple message it gets across, maybe it helps one guy. Maybe it helps five guys. And I would think at least Peyton Manning, whatever he said today, would at least help Nick Foles in some way, shape, or form.
3: And by the way, to give the guy a little credit, his name was Alex Honnold,
0: and uh, he's in a documentary
3: called Free Solo.
0: All right. Uh, Hey, uh, the – Coaches poll top twenty five is out in college football. Got a thought or two on that? And uh, can somebody get me like a UCF nightshirt? shirt? I think I want to be a big. I want to be like big, big fan of UCF.
3: Uh, are we going all in with the UCF year? I this think thing? I'm going in with the Knights. Are we going to College Game Day? if They're going to make an appearance again. I don't think they'll be there. But me and we can you, go. ESPN six
0: ninety. I think it's on time to get on the Knights bandwagon. Okay, let's right, do it. Let's Come do on. it next on ESPN six ninety. Hey, I want to get to the uh, college football poll that's out uh, preseason poll. That should be fun. Gators ranked too high, are they? Georgia top three, they are third, uh, right where they need to be. What do you think? And really, I have a bigger conversation about that. I don't really care where anybody's ranked. I, I, I will twist it into a national championship contender conversation, and it's one of the problems with college football. I think the last couple of years, and right now, I think it is. Some people don't, uh, but we'll talk a little college football plus a collision today between Quincy Williams and uh, the the draft Arm-side. pick out of Temple. Raquel Armstead, yes, Ooh. like that. This is training camp, man. It's training
3: camp. We save it for the game, boys. Two chin straps, as Jack Del Rio would say. Save
0: it for the game. Uh, straps. Hey, we did ask uh, Peyton Manning going to the Jags facility <laughs> to talk uh, a little bit about uh, to, to talk to the team, and he was out there at practice mingling around. Tom Coughlin invited him, and we asked your thoughts on it. Right now, Jordan's on the line has a, a thought or two on it. All right, man, good or bad, you like Peyton Manning being here or not?
6: Uh, I don't, I don't really like it too much. Uh, I, I've lived in Jacksonville for about five or six years now. Uh, love it, love the city. But I'm a big Raiders fan, and and either way, I, I just really don't, I don't, I don't like a rival coming in and talking to the team. What? And uh, I, I also don't like the the jersey switching at the end of the game. I get it, it it's a nice thing, but I, I want you to play some hard nosed football, you know, some old school football.
0: Jordan, let me ask you this real quick. You're an Oakland guy, so uh, you'll soon be a Vegas guy. What, what will who would be the 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 player that like John Gruden could bring in that would be like what the heck is that guy doing at our facility?
6: Like I in you know eight ten years if he you know decided to bring like Philip Rivers in, okay, I, I wouldn't like that one bit. I, I've you know never been a big Philip Rivers
0: guy. Yeah, I got anyone from the AFC West uh, obviously. All right, man, thanks. Uh, appreciate the call. Thanks for listening appreciate on ESPN six ninety. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. All right. Uh, interesting thoughts about the, the jersey. You asked the question yeah. um, to Seth and, and now Jordan about the jersey swap, and that is one, especially if it's a close game or it ended poorly, and and you lose, and your team loses, and your team's smiling and kind of exchanging and hugging and high-fiving yeah. and, and all that stuff. That bothers fans. I have always said this about my theory on that. It's not a proven theory, but my theory is and, and I think this is more of a subconscious thing. Well, first of all, I think Seth brought it up. The free agency guys swap teams. I mean, a guy that that might be a might have been a college teammate is now a, a rival, mm-hmm. but could be a teammate again down the road. The rivalries are not fierce in the NFL like that. They really aren't. I mean, college football they are. You're not seeing swapping jerseys at the end of games for multiple reasons. But I don't even think you would. I think because some of those rivalries are are so intense, uh, you don't have that as much. I don't think in the NFL. But my theory on it's always been: listen. We just duked it out for 60 minutes. This is a violent game. It's really no different than what you do right now in MMA Mm -hmm. and in that cage. And you just try to beat the hell out of each other for for 15 minutes. And then there's a respect regardless of who won, that you made it through those 15 minutes. Or in the case of the NFL, you made it through the 60 minutes. And I think that's yeah. kind of my theory on that. Whether it's a uh, an announced reason why or not, I don't think so. But I just think there's a sense of, hey, we made this through. We battled it. We, we busted our butts, uh, worked all week for it. Hey, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And uh, I'm going to go shake my hands. Uh, shake yeah. out my buddy's hand. And
3: listen, and every player is different as well. Like, uh, and I've said this before on the show, where I was never like that, you know. And it didn't matter who we're playing with, whether it was a division rival or just um a team from, uh from the NFC. Um, you know, when they came to Jacksonville, like if they beat us, I would storm off the field, and I would almost like I don't want to say I threw a hissy fit, but I would I would talk to anybody, and it would, it would regardless of if it was a guy I played against in college, a guy I played with in college, I just took it, um to heart so much that I I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to go in my locker, I want to get out of the stadium as soon as possible. Didn't want to talk to you media people. And I just wanted to get in my car and go home because I, I was so upset. But I understand that every player is like that. And I'm not asking every player to be like that. It's just, it's different personalities. But, and we, we mentioned the jersey swapping thing, but like, I think it's more from a broader spectrum too, as well, Brent. Where, like, for instance, I mean, you know, Jalen Ramsey was talking to DeAndre Hopkins on, on Instagram, you know, and, and to be fair, the Texans are a division rival, yeah. you know, and they had banter back and forth. Um, I think if you go back. Yeah, what he called him his. When he said, he's his daddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, <laughs> exactly, and I think if you go back, you know, six, seven, eight years, you don't see that that much. Especially with, with the division opponent. Now, with social media, yes, the, the landscape has changed and the game has changed. And I'm not saying it's a right or wrong thing. I'm just saying I'm just curious to hear the, the fans' perspective from this because you know whether it's players talking to each other on Instagram, swapping jerseys. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a different time now than I thought.
0: Yeah. You know what else is uh, just one last comment from me on this? Yeah. Is while that makes people angry, you know what? One of the most celebrated traditions in all of sports is, and every time it happens, we all say the same thing It's become cliche. Oh, I love how I love this part of it. Prayer circle? Nope. Oh. Uh It's in NHL playoffs. Oh, and when a yeah. series is over, mm-hmm. they shake hands Regardless. like they're going to drink t- together uh, at the pub in yeah. a couple hours. Exactly, and and and, yeah. and people love that and applaud mm-hmm. that. And celebrate it. Mm-hmm. Yet, in the NFL, if you're exchanging jerseys and saying, hey, nice job, a lot of fans, I don't want to label everything, but I, I think a decent amount of fans
3: don't like that. That's a damn good point, Brent. especially with the NHL playoffs where, you know, they're usually there's seven-game series and they go all seven where, you know, there's fights and there's cheap shots and there's guys getting hurt. and um the animosity put aside because after you know the series is over, they make it a habit of going to shake hands. That's almost like tradition now.
0: So that's a great point. All right. Uh, well, if you want more comments on that or Peyton Manning coming in to speak to the Jags, uh, Star well, Star Six Ninety. And I was going to comment
3: on your video that you you recorded of him yeah. saying what were you going to talk to the Jaguars about? But yeah. Did, where do you go? What do you got? No, I, I no your video. Oh, my
0: video. Yeah, yeah. you saw a video. I, of him. I asked yeah. him. I just yeah. said I was just getting video of him, and we're not. We're, he wasn't going to talk to the media. Yeah. So I just said all right what's your message going to be yeah and he really didn't want to share what his message is going to be yeah well, he was not enough but he enough. really didn't want to uh well see like anything. and i thought about like get because
3: i had the microphone i was like maybe i should I've do been a, little, called a
0: little tmz
3: for that <laughs> maybe i should like you know quick get in because I, I, I played against them you know i mean uh i only had really two st- starstruck moments my entire time playing in the nfl and one involved peyton manning uh when he called out my name for an audible he said Check Lane, check Lane. I'm like, damn, Peyton Manning just said my name. Like, Peyton Manning's watching film on me. That's cool. But, uh, so, like, I had my, my phone. I'm like, uh, do I quick get a little audio, a little video? And then I just figured it'd be like, you know, you remember when, um, uh, Chris Farley interviewed Paul McCartney for SNL and he's like, that's awesome. You know, it's like, you remember when you did this? And yeah, it's really cool. That would have exactly been me. Like, I, I don't know like I was going to talk to you about Peyton Manning. Like, you remember when you and Brad Paisley did that commercial? That was cool. That was funny. So I decided not to say anything to Peyton. I just said, what's up? And we went our separate ways. Probably doesn't remember who I am. I was
0: going to get into, I got bad news on the Jags front. Oh. I was going to get into college. We're going to hold off on that because Ian Rappaport, and can confirm this is true, just did. Quincy Williams, the Jaguars linebacker, third round pick, four to six weeks, he's out, slight tear in his meniscus. Don't need arthroscopic surgery to trim it, uh, Ian says. Given the timing, he won't miss much game time. So I guess that's the positive news. Man. But there's more to that yeah. because we say, okay, be ready for the game. This is a guy that this month was very important for, and we'll tell you about that collision that happened, too, today. Yeah. And I don't, it's unrelated, I believe. I think so, absolutely. But more on that in Let's a moment. Uh, Quincy Williams down for the next month, six Not weeks. Uh, breaking news here on Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. What you got on the magic whiteboard?
3: Uh, The Irishman is why I have Netflix, Brent. Did you see the new trailer for the Irishman movie coming out? It's a movie? Not a a series, it's a movie? It's a movie uh, with Martin Scorsese. Uh, He's directing it. And, uh, yeah, it's featuring, you know, all the heavy hitters. Joe Pesci. uh, Pesci's still doing it. Rob Niro. But get this, though. So... Like this takes place like back in time, you know. I think it's from like the '70s or maybe the '60s. So like they basically use the face app to make people look younger. So like like Robert De Niro looks like he's once again like 30 years old. So it's kind of a trippy thing. Um, Al Pacino's in it as well. Same thing. So, cool. All right, uh big news out of
0: yeah. Jack's camp, uh, and you know, here's the deal, Quincy Williams. I can tell you that we're about to talk about a collision. Which you can describe that a little bit, a little too much probably for training camp, but we don't think this is where it happened. This is probably unrelated. No, because, yeah. uh, at least we're guessing on it. So you can share that story in a minute, but I will give you this background. I was supposed to do an interview today with Quincy Williams for the show, mm-hmm. and we usually get, you know, we request request a guy after practice, and well, coming off the field, all, everybody's coming off the field. We couldn't find Quincy Williams. Yeah and nobody could find him well he went in early uh to the training room and then we heard he was in the training room Mm -hmm. and then by the time we got over there to maybe get it after he got out of the training room maybe it was an iv or something like that uh which wouldn't have been that uncommon uh we we learned that uh we weren't going to be able to get him and that was it that's all all that was said uh so well this is why he was in the training room he's got uh a uh, torn meniscus, or a slight tear, I should say, of the meniscus is how it's described by Ian Rapoport, and we can confirm that now uh, after making some calls down um, to the Jags. They say four to six weeks on this. You know, mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey did this his rookie year. He did it in May, though. He did it in the OTAs, had surgery on it, came back. I don't remember how much a camp he missed that year. I think he he was definitely taken along at a, at a slower pace. He was limited, but then he was ready to go for the start of the season. If you do the math on this, Jags open September 8th. That's five weeks away, and this is a four- to six-week injury. I think now you have to start to plan without... Quincy Williams for the first week or two of the season, and maybe he comes back in a week three game against Tennessee, or maybe you want to be even more conservative and more cautious with it, and he might miss the first month of the year. Uh, So it could be anywhere from maybe zero to four games, I think, on the Quincy Williams front when you're talking about the regular season. But I think bigger than that, and maybe that's big enough, but maybe bigger than that, is this guy was playing well at camp. He was playing well in the spring. He had opened eyes. He's flying around. Doug Marone just said it the other day. He's the fastest guy on the field that sparked some fun stuff with dd westbrook and the receivers yeah but this guy is really flying around man and when you got the pads on everybody's excited about it go up to baltimore this is where you want to see this guy he is the replacement for telvin smith who's not playing in 2019 mm-hmm. that's a big guy to replace in terms of production and i think the time he will now miss over this next month in preseason games against baltimore more practices This is going to be a costly, costly injury for Quincy Williams in his development and I think for the Jacksonville Jaguars in their comfortability with him playing. It's not a simple plug-and-play when he's
3: available. So a few things. Number one, yeah, so you mentioned um, when him and uh, Rykel Armstead, hopefully I said that name right, yes. um, you know, they collided and I'll be honest and uh, hey, I'm a Murray State guy first, Brent, but Armstead got the best of that exchange. I mean, Quincy Williams' helmet went flying uh, you know, so you can almost say he got truck-sticked a little bit and It's it's not that's a fault Quincy because here's the thing though you have to remember yes they're in full pads and yes the you the the coach may have said okay you you can tackle but on that play right there Quincy Williams probably would have went a little lower you know and tried to tackle the legs and um kind of undercut him that's usually what you're taught to do especially towards the sideline. And the fact that, you know, we're talking about a practice the second week at training camp. I think, uh, Quincy Williams knew that and kind of throttled off a little bit and hit him up high just to try to wrap him up, you know, and stop the play while Armstead lowered a shoulder and he had a helmet go flying. So, uh, with that being said, that that wasn't the injury. I don't think that the, the hit that caused the injury because I remember, um, in the next like two team series, uh, Quincy Williams got an interception in the, in, in the red zone, uh, which was a pretty good look for him. Like I remember that because I showed, yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, Murray State. It's what I'm talking about. So I was obviously excited about it. Now, the fact that he has to get surgery, anytime a guy gets surgery, I don't care what it's for. It's not a good thing, man. Mm. Surgery is a very serious thing. And if I could leave the show right now and kidnap Quincy Williams and fly him to Germany to get stem cells put in his knee like uh, Adrian Peterson did, I'd be all for it. But uh, one would assume that he's going to go through the proper precautions, have the surgery and just rest it. And um, you know, the, the, the meniscus surgery that he's going to have, it's not a serious thing. The only thing I would caution is the fact that even with that kind of minor surgery, sometimes you have tendonitis built up. Sometimes you have some soreness and that can linger throughout the entire season. Now, let's be fair though. I mean, if you're an NFL player, um, and you're listening right now, you can attest to this where if you're midway through the season, something's wrong with you. Whether it's something that's tore, something that's strained, something that's bruised, something that's distal, whatever it is, you you play with injuries. There's no NFL player out there that plays 100% through the whole season. So, yeah, he may feel a little adversity there. Now, from his position, that outside linebacker position really taking over for Talvin Smiths, I would be more concerned, honestly, Brent, If this was like a defensive, like if this was like a Josh Allen, I would be more concerned. If this was a Juwan Taylor, I would be more concerned. Um, If this was a rookie running back, I would be more, more concerned. And the reason I say those three positions, and there's some more out there too, wide receiver, is because. You have to take into account you get your reps and you improve your footwork. You know, whether you're offensive lineman or defensive lineman, it's all about getting your footwork down in training camp. Because when you come in, especially as a rookie, you know, you don't have the the good fundamentals. You don't have the good first step. You don't have the good the hand placement. And the only time you can correct that is is in training camp Um with Quincy Williams, where the footwork is necessarily the biggest thing, the hand placement, not the biggest thing. From his position, it's more about reading and reacting. You know, it's, it's here's the ball, go get the ball, basically. Yeah, now there's some checks he has to make, and there's some calls he has to make. But those things can be done in the film room more than on the field. So, from his position, um, it's actually, I mean, listen, an injury is never a blessing in disguise. But the fact that it's, it's a linebacker at his position... It makes me feel a little better from the fact that he doesn't have to improve the footwork or the hand placement. It's more about just reading and reacting. And there's a few things here,
0: okay? Uh, This was developing into a very nice story. If you go back to the draft, everybody's scratching their heads at the end of the third round. Who? Quincy Williams? Murray State? Nobody? I mean, remember, there were some analysts that said, I don't even have them on my... I I reviewed 300 players, and I don't even have them.
3: I I think Mel Kuyper was one of those guys. I think Kuyper was was one of them. Didn't even have the
0: the footage for him. (laughs) Yeah, didn't even have footage. Yeah. Well... In the spring, when we talked to him when he left minicamp, he gave us the famous, "My heads, I feel like my heads in a beehive." Yeah. Statement because everything was moving so fast, and he was trying to uh, adapt to the NFL game and and really the key for him. And even today, when he has that collision with Raquel Armstead, yeah. and again, we don't think that's where he got hurt. No, because he was playing well after that as well. So even there, you can make the case that he's playing too fast. Right?
3: He plays oh, it. Can, can you? No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, if, no, absolutely not, because, I, if if I'm a coach, I'm never gonna tell a player whether he's a rookie or a, or a ten year vet, whether it's Calais Campbell or Quincy Williams, I'm never gonna tell a player to slow down if that's the way he is. Now, yes, you gotta slow down, like if you're in walkthrough, you know, and um and you wrap up with somebody, take him to the ground. Yeah, but no, you that's that's who Quincy Williams is, like the, the the guy that we've seen flying around, um you know, whether his helmets getting popped off and going too fast or whatever, that's who he is. And I don't I, mean, and from an
0: effort standpoint, though, yeah, I'm, I'm but, so too fast at the linebacker spot where you can overplay stuff. You can, I mean, Miles Jack has been guilty of that. No, Tell has been guilty of that. Where you try, and this defense has been guilty of that. Yeah. Where you try, you're trying, you're so energetic to get to a ball, make a play that, well, you forgot about the back inside. Yeah. I mean, that's part of that position, isn't it?
3: It is, but at the same time, I'm never going to tell a player to slow down and throttle down because as soon as you start putting a, like a governor on a player and saying, all right, well, you can go full out right here. But if you see something coming back, you know, taper down a little bit, then you start thinking too much. And, and Quincy Williams, um, we, we said it from when he got drafted, Brent, his, his biggest asset is his speed and his ability not to fear the contact. And if you start telling him to slow down a little bit, then you're going to mess up his game. Yeah. I, I'm probably doing a poor job of it
0: in my mind. Of saying this, but my mind, I feel like because the game is quick for him now, mm-hmm. because he doesn't probably understand maybe it's uh, landmarks or you know, all the things that go into it and play in that position, that he may be overplaying things, not trying too hard, not flying. I understand that. Yeah, yeah You, you yeah. want to be going 110 miles an hour. I, that That's fine. I'm just saying these next four or five weeks, we're going to show him, OK, on this play, I, I don't want to miss my landmark by a step or two. Yeah. Because now I understand the concept, the scheme, the play call, the the whatever I'm seeing on the other side of the ball a little bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. I mean, and that's where he's no, gonna no, lose.
3: And, and I get that. Like for, for instance, play action. You know, um, a play action something where you can watch. Uh, 100 minutes of film on play action but until you're out there on the field seeing you know, h- how the offensive line reacts well then that's where you go from there so good yeah, example I mean the, 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 there are plays out there that uh, you have to be on the field to, to be able to dissect but at the same time it is what it is I'm know? going to Canton, Ohio next we're going to the Hall of Fame let's go
0: Ryan O'Halloran joins us right. on ESPN nine. hey one other injury note to pass along to Josh Allen uh, I don't think this is severe no details out on this one But uh, it was weird, man. He was in a, like a, I I thought it was a hard cast, really. But he got his glove underneath the cast. So I'm not up with today's modern technology and medicine. Yeah, yeah. But it felt like he could almost remove the cast on his left wrist to put the glove on. And it it, it, it wasn't something that would maybe stay on Mm -hmm. throughout the day, but just during practice to kind of stabilize or immobilize. And he kind of dismissed it. The team doesn't really talk injuries like that unless it's something like a Quincy Williams that they'll, they'll readily announce. But um, it was interesting. It didn't look like, I mean, he practiced full. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was on his left wrist. Sure. And just first time I noticed it was out there today.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that too. Um, hard to tell how much it really affects him because he hasn't had his hand in the dirt a lot. Oh, oh. oh. oh can I talk about that or not? Oh, I yeah, just did. We might
0: uh, a little bit later uh, hear from him about that. Oh, did you ask him? Yeah, we asked him.
3: Nice. Brent, hitting the hard-hitting questions. I appreciate I it. I can't remember if I asked him. Okay. might have been, uh, been. Rhino
0: Allen's former buddy, John Reed, Okay, that uh, asked him a little bit about that, and okay. then I followed up on it. My I man. I piggybacked. My man. The Much hard-hitting like questions. I used to do with Ryan O' all the time. Yeah. Let him ask the tough questions. Good. Ready, brace myself in yeah. case... It was going to be too difficult. Yep, and then just jump in. Spoiler alert:
3: I didn't ask Taven Brian any hard questions. Well, that's Just, a like, just you haven't you asked know, one hard question we were, since you got here. We were here. talking Fortnite and uh, Navy Seal training. Surprising so. <laughs> and probably
0: wrestling, which you're about to do with Rhino Hall yeah, right yeah. now. He joins us from Canton, Ohio Hall of Fame game tonight for the Denver Broncos, Atlanta Falcons. How's Canton, Ohio, man?
7: It's good. Good. I took my. I had never been to the Hall of Fame facility before this morning, so it took a you know about a two-hour lap through there. You know, if you're a football junkie, uh, that's the place for you. Unfortunately, now there's the game tonight. <laughs> <laughs> will they play it? Is the field okay? <laughs> What's I, think, I think they got that stuff straightened out a couple years ago. Uh, you know, those starters for Denver, a couple starters on the offensive line. Uh, Atlanta's basically said none of their front line guys are playing. But NBC will get a rating that eclipses – maybe a World Series game, maybe a Stanley Cup final game because it's professional tackle football.
0: Absolutely. Yep. As long as it beats the Bachelorette, uh, I'll be happy uh, in the reigning game. What do the players think about this, starting ahead of everybody else? They got on the practice field earlier. They're kind of like a couple weeks in where the Jags are just one week in, already playing a game, that extra game. Uh, is it something, you know, quietly they like, ugh, or are they excited about it?
7: Well, I think they're more of the, ugh. Yeah. uh because even the guys who aren't playing tonight you know this team reported to camp 2 weeks ago yesterday uh they were on the field 2 weeks ago this morning so it's been uh you know they had seven consecutive practice in uh, in pads until the other day so Vic Fangio has been working them that said i think the veterans knew that if they really grinded away over this period of time they are going to get a little bit let up because of the way the schedule's uh constructed Broncos only have five practices in a 12 day span, so that's going to give a lot of guys uh, a lot of chance to recharge.
3: Ryan, you guys just got uh, Theo Riddick and a, a guy I'm kind of bitter about because I wanted the Jaguars to kind of take a look at him. Um, primarily a pass catcher out of the backfield, but you can do a bunch of interesting things with him. Uh, how does he fit into the Denver Denver Broncos offense right now?
7: Well, for the Jaguars, I look at Devontae Booker, who could be on the way out of Denver right now. Oh, yeah. uh, fourth year of his rookie deal, so you know, let's connect the, well, let's see how the dominoes fall. You know, Riddick, pass protection. Devontae Booker wasn't good in that area last year. Gave up like several sacks. Uh They have two young backs here, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, who are good on first and second down, but probably not ready for that third down duty because they didn't have to do a lot of it last year. So, you know, Riddick is a scheme fit. He uh, fell down the depth chart in Detroit because they had Kerryon Johnson. They signed C.J. Anderson, and he doesn't play special teams. So if you're a third or a fourth back and you don't play special teams, you are going to be expendable. That said, the Broncos felt or are going to feel like when they announce the signing that he is a good fit on offense, and whatever they give him on special teams would be a bonus.
0: Ryan O'Halloran joins us from Canton, Ohio. A Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame game tonight between the Broncos and the Falcons. Uh, and... uh Obviously, Ryan, you know him from his days covering the Jacksonville Jaguars as beat writer for the Florida Times Union. Now covering the Broncos uh, for the Denver Post. All right, I want you to jump in on a couple of big Jags topics. Tony Baselli or Fred
7: Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> who 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 knew this would drum up this kind of crap? Uh, I mean, I mean, you look at me. Both. I mean, Tony Baselli was more recognized on a national level. I do agree, agree with Pete Prisco. If Fred played in a different market, he may have gotten more consideration for a Hall of Fame. Here's the thing. They didn't make a Super Bowl. That, that counts, especially if you're a team that is nondescript as the Jaguars have been throughout their 25 years. If I'm Fred, it's a right-church-wrong-pew right, thing. You should have said, hey, I'm honored to be number two. Congratulations, Tony Baselli. This is the team that still pays me to be on their jumbotron before and after every game. Keep that in mind, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: Peyton Manning at
7: practice today. Speaking to the Jags, should the fans be mad? No, hell no. This this is the sheriff. Uh, you know, if <laughs> if he wants to make the trip down, he's supposed to be here tomorrow at two o'clock for a screening of his NFL service, Okay, and I assume he'll stay for the weekend. Um, he goes in uh, two years ago. Two years from tonight, uh, he, it would be his chance. If Peyton Manning says, "Hey, I'd be glad to come down to Jacksonville and speak to the coaches and speak to the team," you open the doors. You roll out the red carpet because I don't care if you rush the passer, you're a lineman, you're a kicker, you're a return guy. You have a lot of respect for Peyton Manning and what his message is going to be. And I'm sure it was a great presentation. You might offer him a job. Hey, well, <laughs> you know, after this year doesn't go well you know, the house may be cleaned up and uh, maybe Shad can entice Peyton with a piece of the team. (laughs) Oh, man.
3: Uh, Ryan, so... tongue tongue in cheek, fellas. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) always tongue in cheek here on ESPN 690. Laugh out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, so it it is kind of the start of football season and I get it. It's a Hall of Fame game where you're not going to see the primetime players. But if you give me three players to watch tonight, who would it be? Because there is FanDuel, there is DraftKings out there. Not say I'm going to play it. I'm not going to play the $4 tournament to win ten thousand dollars i'm not going to do that but just go ahead and give me like three names to follow tonight uh that that could show out
7: well it shows you just how i have no life this alliance has moved from Falcons by one to broncos by two and a half over the last week oh no what the hell's going on there. So
3: That's, you're not Vegas the only one something. you're not the only one that doesn't yeah. have a life apparently
7: yeah, um, so that said uh I'll give you a couple Broncos because that's what I've been studying. Is one is Drew Locke, second yeah. round quarterback. He'll be the second guy in tonight. Uh, Kevin Hogan starts. Locke, how does he perform under center? Does his, does his mind keep up with his mechanics, et cetera, et cetera? Um, you know, there's Noah at the first round tight end. Does he play at all? You know, if he does, he's somebody to watch. On the Falcons, I mean, Matt Schaub has been in this league for a thousand years, so he's doing something right. So let's see how he plays behind a second team offensive line. All right, Ryan O'Halloran, uh,
0: beat writer for the Broncos with the Denver Post and really covers all things NFL uh, with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Love catching up with uh, Ryan o. i I'm going to bring you back to the Jags but it's kind of got a broad picture to it and does impact the rest of the NFL because we still have holdouts. Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, cool. the Michael Thomas thing gets done. And you know this organization here and, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Did you think Yannick Ngakwe's deal would get to this point? Nine days now in a holdout. And I can tell you this, Brian. It's a stalemate right now. I mean, nothing is getting done. There's no movement at all in this thing right now. There's a deadline that approaches on Tuesday, and that could, of course, rekindle some of the talks. But right now, it's a dead deal at the moment. And how surprised are you of that, knowing this organization? Because we really haven't run into that up until this point. Uh, But this also is one of the first premier players they've had to re-sign that they drafted.
7: Yeah, and, and that, that's that's the conundrum for the Jaguars on several fronts. One last week, we talked about you have to earmark money for Jalen Ramsey moving forward. That's a fact of life. That has to be a consideration. The second one is you can't just shake the trees outside the stadium and pass rusher falls out. So Gakwe plays a premium position. Third thing, and you hit on it, Brent, is I got to town Labor Day 2012, which was MJD's first day back. Mm-hmm. That seems, But that's a different deal. He was on his second deal. He felt that out- I'll perform that. He didn't get it. He showed up. And Godoy a little different. Um, if he doesn't report on Tuesday, then he's, then, which is what he should do, because of the the ramifications of his free agency. If he shows up, if I'm the Jags, I say, okay, even though you probably should have done this, that's an act of good faith. Let's go back to the table. But the fact that you haven't seen a lot of chatter about talks or progress or whatever shows that there is a wide gulf between these these two sides. I'll finish up on this from Dave Collow's perspective. First time having to deal with this, but also Dave has a Dave has a long view in mind. That's September eighth against Kansas City. You can get Ngakwe, you know, signed. I mean you can get him there next week and then ease him into the stuff. He doesn't need the preseason game. So you know, deadline spur action, and next Tuesday uh, is, is a deadline.
0: Yeah, absolutely well said. Uh, what do you think happens on the other fronts? Uh, Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott, uh, a little bit more like the Jones-Drew situation, so not exactly the same, but a lo- Ezekiel's might be kind of like that. Uh, what What do you see happening now? Melvin Gordon uh, reportedly has asked for a trade. How do you see those things shaking out?
7: Well, Gordon's agent went to the well today with his Hail Mary. If a, if was a trade request, the Chargers have no intention of doing that. Um, with a running back, if I'm the Chargers, I, I would just let him sit out for a little bit because uh, he he has a little bit of an injury history. You don't want him coming back to camp and tweaking something that could set him back for the first month of the year. Elliott is, a, is an interesting situation. The Cowboys set the market with Demarcus Lawrence during the offseason. Now they say they don't want to set the running back market. Well, here's the problem. They got Dak Prescott playing on a fourth-round contract. They got Amari Cooper, who they gave up a first-rounder for last year. So what do they prioritize here? It seems like Cooper's going to play out his fifth-year option. Um, you know, Prescott will get done eventually, and, and that leaves Elliott out there. But the Cowboys, I say, hey, we we were terrible for that year to have the opportunity to draft Elliott. He helped get them back into uh, respectability. Don't pay him. It's, it's way too much money. Todd Gurley is banged up. David Johnson signed in Arizona. He's been banged up. Le'Veon Bell had to sit out a year to get his money. So I think Zeke will report because he's playing on on a good salary. But the Cowboys can't re-sign all these guys, you would think. And, Ryan,
3: do you think it has something to do with as well, where Zeke's kind of had some off-the-field issues compared to Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott, who have really been kind of model citizens? I mean, do you think that kind of helps their incentive a little bit to get a deal done faster just because they have been kind of the whole quote-unquote cowboy franchise player?
7: Yeah. I agree, Austin. You know, if from the from the Cowboys' perspective, you have to look at track record. And has has Elliot ever learned any of his lessons yet? It doesn't appear that he has.
8: Yeah.
7: That has that has to impact the guaranteed money, which is all a running back is looking for at this point. So, you know, if these negotiations are going on, I'm sure the Cowboys are maybe putting some some stuff in there, saying, okay, if you get suspended again, it it negates this guaranteed money. And Elliott's side is saying, oh, I'm not going to get in trouble, so don't put those in there. So it's, I mean, I think this one is more of a stalemate because of those factors than in Ngakwe versus Jaguars.
3: Okay, I'm done with the football stuff. Go ahead, you two. You can talk a little wrestling. I just got one wrestling question, Brent. We'll keep it to one minimum per, per interview here. But, uh, Ryan, got to ask. So we got Becky Lynch and Natalia coming up a couple weeks here at SummerSlam. Uh, do you think Natalia gets it done on her home soil? Against Becky Lynch,
7: um, I don't think so because they felt, I think they finally they finally hit a little bit of a bullseye in that division with Becky yeah. Lynch. Yeah. and I think she, I mean I think the crowd really loves her. Yeah. Um, so I think you, you have to keep that going instead of trying to you know make something up in terms of making the the division more competitive.
3: Okay, Brent. Sorry, I'll add, I have another question. I figured you. would. <laughs> uh, speaking of all eight wrestling, here we're going to talk about a little bit with uh, CM Punk. What are the odds that CM Punk shows up in Chicago uh, for All Out? W- what are your odds there?
7: Well, I sure as heck hope so because I liked him when he was WWE. Yeah, and it would it would it would deliver another pop. For the new venture that exactly. they would need, even if he's not an even if he's not a full time participant, yeah. you have to have some of those quote unquote ringers to make those pay per views, make those uh, big shows uh, worthy. There CM Punk, friend of Action Sports Jacks on
0: ESPN six ninety, like Absolutely. Ryan O'Halloran yes, yes as well. Weekly update from Ryan O. Hey man, I hope you got your uh, Delta Club miles, all that stuff figured out because it's here. Uh, football starts tonight for you, and it won't end until. Well, after February, in some way, shape, or form.
7: Well, Broncos-Jags AFC title game, baby. <laughs> Once again, here we go. All right, man, have fun tonight. Thanks for checking in. Have a good trip to Baltimore, guys. Thanks. All right,
0: thank you. appreciate it. Uh, Ryan O'Halloran. Oh, you know what? We just did about 15 minutes with O'Halloran. Yeah. Not one pathetic. Oh, good call. I'm disappointed.
3: Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I, and only two I, wrestling
0: questions. I've got to tell him from now on, he has to get that in. Yeah. He has to get it in at least once. I love We've it. We've got over and unders on the word pathetic. Yes. When Rhino O'Halloran joins us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're going to give away some Monster Jam tickets when we come back. Also, ballin' and falling Still ahead, Josh Allen talks about putting his hand in the dirt. And you have a one-on-one with Taven Bryan. That I do. And college football. Mm-hmm. Rankings. All on the way. We got a lot going on. It's a busy summer, bro. Yeah. football busy season, down now, These shows it?
3: go by fast. Yes, they do. I like it.
4: It's
0: next on ESPN 690.
4: You know, I'm good playing with a hand in the dirt. Uh, it's actually fun. I like it. But I like it a lot better. Uh, i made a lot of more plays. uh better get off. So, you know, playing with my hand in the ground is, you know, it's, it's probably the first couple days. But now that I've been doing it for so long, I'm adjusting to it really well.
0: That's Josh Allen after practice today, talking about putting his hand in the dirt. But he's been a little bit of everything uh, so far. And this has been a um, debatable point here on the show for the better part of three or four months. Oh, yeah. On what the Jags are going to do Will the show. Some three, four tendencies with Josh Allen uh, and his skill set and his past in college, uh, being able to stand up. And we have some theories on that, or at least you do. But uh, Josh Allen, you know, I have a couple of conspiracy theories on Josh Allen. I don't really know what's up with the, the wrist that I told you about. Okay. That's not a conspiracy theory. I, I don't think it's a major thing, but it's obvious. It, it was noted. I mean, I was like, did I miss something yeah. over these? Last- did somebody tell me, th- did I miss the report or or Doug Marone saying that he's got a wrist injury of some kind? Mm-hmm. But he has this. And somebody asked me if it was like, a, because he had the glove underneath, it was like a padded something or other it so, looked like a cast i mean no, it was
3: okay so i'm gonna help you out real quick here because i mean i've i've worn the same thing before you too have- I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's exact same material but um what it is it's like a, it's like a cast kind of but it's like a foam thing so like the, the they wrap around your hand they cut it and then they they basically just kind of tape it on. So it wasn't a full cast. I think it was just like his lower part of his hand. Yeah. And then they taped around it. And, like and I'm the, probably
0: using the word the wrong words when I say cast because yeah. you think cast and you think cast, of something that's broken. Im, immovable and you can't yeah. remove it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unless now you can. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I just don't. I'm broken anything in a while knock on wood so uh, <laughs> i'll go knock
3: on wood for you too but
0: but anyway there's that i don't really think that's a big deal i mean it's something that i noticed today we asked him about it. he didn't say much he didn't say it was a big deal and he practiced so that's fine yeah uh i did i was thinking about this today a little bit more though when josh allen i, I don't know why i didn't really think about it a little more he's been off to the side often mm-hmm. to work and he's, he commented on that today to say yeah, he's just trying to get extra work in with milo uh the, the head uh, strength and condition sure. coach of the jags but I kind of wonder – they took him – Doug Marone said they were a little slow with him at in the early days of camp starting last week because they really didn't see him on the field in the spring. Do you think at all Josh Allen slowly coming along, maybe working off to the side sometimes instead of all the reps on the field uh, in this first week had anything to do with keeping him healthy with the Yannick Ngakwe situation that exists yeah. and hold out day number nine? I mean, the Jags, if if – Again, we're all knocking on wood all around here. But if Josh Allen were to go down with a significant injury, the nope. Jags would then lose leverage. They have leverage on a lot of different ways in this in Ngakwe negotiation yeah. and holdout and standoff and stalemate. Yep. But they would lose, in my opinion. While I don't think he's a major play in the leverage standpoint when healthy yeah. because you want multiple pass rushers, I do think if they were to lose him for significant time, well, then that would become a
3: leverage play for the Ngakwe side. Interesting theory. Let me go ahead and cover my basis here first. His injury during OTAs. Soft tissue, right? It was like a hamstring, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, well, oh, I like just want knee. to be careful. I I think it was. Yeah. But it was like a I think it was like a soft tissue yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So anytime you're dealing with like a soft tissue injury, um, as we know, if you if you're a Leonard Fournette follower, they can be lingering. You know, where if, even if you do it in the spring you do everything right, sometimes those things can come back. So Working with Milo, getting some extra whatever work conditioning strengthening. Um, I just think it's the fact of they're trying to just keep him healthy. You know, now you can go ahead and put the Yannick Ngakwe thing to it too as well, where they're keeping him healthy for that reason. I just think they're taking a rookie who isn't accustomed to, to NFL training camp yet, who's coming off of a soft tissue kind of like injury, um, and just basically kind of you know easily easing him into the the, the training camp Uh, because you want to talk about conspiracy theories here's mine Josh Allen's never missed a lower leg day his entire life. Okay, yeah, guy, the, the guy doesn't have. I mean, like, and that's the thing. People want to say, well, soft tissue injuries come from a lack of, you know, working out or a lack of. No, okay. I mean, they happen. All right, whether it's a, it's an imbalance with with your body, whatever it is, but it's not because of Josh Allen wasn't working hard in the off season. Okay, the guy hasn't missed a squat day since he was probably eight years old. So I think they're just trying to ease him back into it. Um just, just ease them into the whole thing because they don't want to have a setback with a soft tissue injury.
0: Yeah, I I, I listen again I'm playing the conspiracy no, no, theory. I, a little I hear bit, you I hear you um in that and I think it could be it could be a, a variable of, of various reasons um why he's off to the side or is not or whatever. But the bottom line is he's been out there, he's fine. And and I will say there are more and more people who go out to the practice and say, Wow. I mean, wow, this guy yeah. is a physical specimen. Yeah. I mean, he is. And he is. Yeah. But, I, like, I tweeted the video today of Peter King being introduced to him. Sure. And uh, Calais Campbell. Yeah. And when people saw Josh Allen next to Calais Campbell, they're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. This guy is massive. And, and you're right, he is. Yeah. I mean, he is a big, big dude. He looks the part. And, you know, Doug Marone said today he's got a chance to be a dangerous pass rusher. Yeah. You know, so they are, and, you know, that's why he drafted them seven overall. So obviously the sky is the limit. There's a lot of optimism about him. But, uh, it all starts with, man, does that guy look different from a physical standpoint? And Josh Allen is that guy. Uh, he is an impressive guy. And it's stuff that you don't notice. Like when you say when we went to the draft and I talked to him before the draft and when he got drafted, you don't notice that. I mean, he's a big guy, but there's a bunch of big guys who are football players. Yeah, But when you no. see him <laughs> out on the field, I mean, it,
3: it's he looks like a creative player for Madden. It, it looks like, when, yeah, you're I like when you say that. And you're right. Yeah. It looks I mean, like a kid, like a guy that you wanted to create as a kid where it's like, I want to make him give him all the best stats. And yeah, that's what he this, looks like. This bottom line is a little bit of a wow factor.
0: Yeah, of you know, With him. Which yeah. is, that's a cool
3: thing. That's no. very noticeable. <laughs> all right.
0: Uh, we're going to get to, uh, giving away Monster Jam tickets. In fact, let's do it right now. Uh, Monster Jam tickets for caller number. Hmm, have people been after these? Should I go all the way up to number seven? Because that's where Josh Allen was picked. Yeah, we can do that. All right. Caller okay, number seven, star star 690, 9901 Caller number seven, you've got a four-pack, I believe it is, uh, to Monster Jam this coming weekend at the arena. Different show. Not at the stadium, at the arena instead. So uh, star star 690, 904-362-9901. Would you, would you right. have
6: upset, upset people if you picked number 18 for Peyton Manning?
0: <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> <It> really <laughs> took them off. I would have liked to do that, actually. That would have been kind of fun. Uh, your th- Another thought on Josh Allen, from the the hand-in-the-dirt perspective. Here we go. Okay, we've had this, right? You said when they drafted him, you're like, they're going to show some 3-4 tendencies. That was your stance. They're going to stand him up. They're going to move some things around and throw some wrinkles. My viewpoint is they ain't messing with a defense that's been top five two years in a row, Mm -hmm. and they're not built to do that. Why More of the Calais-Campbell ilk, what he's kind of said at times to say... Hey, we're, we're we might throw a wrinkle or two, but we're not changing. It ain't broke, don't you know? We don't need to change things. I hear you, but I will say, and I, I every time I see it, I go over to you at practice and say, "Yeah, I saw him standing up again." Yeah, and there are times he's moving across the lo- moving sure. around, standing up. Yeah, and but give us the give us well, your feel for it now, without far, giving away too much. Yeah. on the practice field.
3: Far be it for me. Um, to help your argument here, but I mean, I mean, anybody can see that Josh Allen's had his hand up a lot, and I think we're talking about the base packages. Um, from what I've seen, it's really not that different. And the reason why Josh Allen has had his hand up a lot because number one, well, he's rushed with his hand up uh, a lot of his college career, right? So, like you said, if it's broke, don't fix it. If you're good, if you can get seventeen and a half sacks in the SEC, uh, you know, rushing the passer with your hand up. Go and keep your hand up. But also where in his position, Brent, um, it helps to have the hand up as well because he's playing that wide five technique. Basically, he's the guy that's outside of the tackle, and he's responsible for bouncing everything back inside, a lot like Yannick Ngakwe does, obviously. He's playing his spot. So from that position – It almost could kind of help to be in a two point stance, you would say, because then you have a better view of what's going on, whether it's a play action, whether it's going to be reversed, whatever it's, it's going to be. But since your biggest job is to keep contain, standing up's not the worst thing in the world. And if you're good standing up from the pass rushing spot, then yeah, why not do it? So while, um, you know, I can't get into too many things of what I've seen, uh, schematically, uh, the fact that he has his hand out doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a 3-4 defense. It just means that he has the outside contain. He's used to standing up. And if you have the outside contain, uh, it doesn't hurt to stand up.
0: You like that, uh, they're using him, or they may use him in different ways. Just the idea of it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I, what I'm seeing and I think what everyone's seeing is the fact that I love how they're giving different looks. I mean, that's, that, that's, been apparent, you know, where, yes, you're seeing the defense that they ran last year a little bit, but there are some nuances. There are some new looks that I've seen. And, uh, you know, when we, uh, interviewed, um, uh the safety uh jerry wilson Uh, jerry wilson even said like this year don't be surprised if i'm a little strong safety and ronnie harrison's gonna be the free safety because they can be interchangeable and anytime you have that that means you're given new looks you're confusing the offense and from that perspective and that's what capers was known for in green bay i like it a lot
0: all right we got some folks hanging online we'll get to that in just a moment and uh break out the music in a second because we've got some yawn tweets Oh, let's get it. It's time to read into the Yannick Ngakwe latest tweets. Could it be some good news? It's next on ESPN 690
1: first thing i told our players is is this offense is gonna be built around passion energy and swagger and and part of having a swagger to you is you don't take a back seat to anybody now that that doesn't mean we go out and cheap shot our own guys we play to the whistle we play clean we stay up we protect each other we're a team once we leave this field but there's a lot of competition in a lot of spots going on right now on both sides of the football so i think you see guys natural instincts come out on the football field when everyone is in, in competing for jobs i love that
3: don't take crap from anybody, Brent.
0: I like that a lot too. That was John De Filippo, the Jaguars' offense coordinator. I Asked him about uh, I, I, wins and losses, like in practice, and I thought it was. I tried to put like the air quotes under it because I didn't want to say like how serious it was, but I know also when you know if you're a coach, you're probably like, hey, compete every play, win every play, all that stuff. So I thought he had a really that was a really good answer. In terms of, I didn't expect him to go like the swagger route. And I kind of like that. And that, yeah. that, you get the feel from De Filippo, he's like that. I think mm-hmm. offensive guys are like that to begin with, like the play callers. You know, they think their play calls better than your defensive call or your play call is better than the, the, the other team's offensive coordinator. Sure. All that stuff. I mean, the guys that have done that, there's, there's two of them, really. There's one, it's like kind of the old guard guy, the guy with the glasses. Yeah, and he looks more like, uh, He's got the I, glasses on the brim of the nose. Andy Reid. Yeah, Andy Reid. For example, or, yeah. You know, even uh, I, He's I feel like, the like Greg Olson a little bit is like that. Yep. You know, kind of feels that way, very calm, and I'm going to, like, out-calculate you kind of guy, sure. you know. And then there's the McVay yeah. and Hackett's yep. and young guys, like D Think and like, man. I'm going to go out here and kick your ass with yeah. every play I got. Yeah. And you get that feel for me. can do it, too. Yep. And that's a good thing to have. This team, um, offensively, really, I've had that swagger in a long, long time. So yep. uh, I, I don't know if they can live up to it. But I like the mentality of it. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And they have looked good. They've had some days where they've beaten the defense. And when you're doing that around here, it's a pretty good defense. That's... Uh, that's saying a pretty good amount. Brett Martineau, uh, former Jag, Austin Lane, here on Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690, along with Kuz here on a Thursday. Just a friendly reminder, right after the show, I'm heading over to Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. Jaguars All Access tonight. Tony Baselli, Jeff Lagerman, uh, Ashlyn Sullivan will all be part of it. Hope you're getting out there uh, and enjoy the first show of 2019 at... Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. Uh, we started it last week, but we did that one from Jags headquarters. It's on Thursday nights now, 7 o'clock on Fox 30, so we'll see you out there. Reaction of the Freddie T comments. Also, yeah. we'll get those guys' thoughts, too, on the Quincy Williams injury news. And will we get any other news? Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is tweeting. We'll get to that in just a moment. Hold the music uh, for now, Coos. All right, let's get to South Beach Gary real quick because really, speaking we, music. it's not South Beach Gary that we wanted to get on today. It was Austin that wanted to talk to South Beach Gary. Yeah. We'll have that in a moment. What's up? Boys of
5: Summer by Don Henley is going to be the song of the day. I'm not mad at did, that did, did one. I so, did I do something wrong, Austin? Not at all, man. I just
3: want to ask you a question. For uh, How do you feel that the, the, the quote-unquote best corner in the league was number ranked 55 overall of the NFL Top 100, and Jalen Ramsey was number 27? <laughs> uh,
5: that's all right. 55 of the 55th player in the, in the NFL. I don't think there's anything to apologize him. Oh, no. By, by all means, but you said he
3: was the best corner in the league.
5: Oh, that's okay. You know, we can have our friendly differences. We can agree to disagree. If we agree on everything, it would be a pretty boring show. Fair enough. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Best corner in the league, number 55. But a couple of things, guys. Uh, but you talked to uh, Ryan about a bunch of plans, but we didn't hear you talking about uh, Trent Williams, and I would love him to slide down to Miami. We could put Tonto down put in down there in the right tackle, and, uh, boy, that could help that offensive line real quick. Anything on the Trent Williams front so far about nah, you're right. Damn, his I didn't re- he
0: may be taking? Or- I-, I haven't seen anything. Honestly, I haven't really looked it up, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I know he's one of the holdouts as well. Um, so I don't know how that one's shaken out. I really haven't paid much attention to that one. I don't know how contentious that one is. And, you know, big linemen, big in the trenches, I mean, I I mean they,
5: were shop- they were shopping him. I was just wondering. If that's what I heard. But The other yeah, thing, guys, I'd I be re- remiss. I didn't. I'd be remiss, of course, if I didn't mention the death of Nick Bonacconi being on the perfect season, Boston of the 1972 Miami Dolphins. His legacy that goes so much more beyond, like Tom Coughlin. Yeah, you The know, terrible work he's done, raising hundreds of millions of dollars. That's, I'm glad you brought that well, up, too. For well, the this issue, his son, Mark Bonacconi, being, you know. Being a victim of that, and uh, his platform goes so much more than. Well, of course he's the platform to be able to do all that, but uh, his legacy is something. Thanks, guys.
0: All right, South Beach area breaking up, uh, but um, I, I think I'm glad he brought that up. We didn't really mention that yesterday on the show, the passing of uh, Bonacani. But you know, did you see the number? It's like raised over these decades. Uh, Half a billion dollars, 500 million dollars. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And, uh, by South Beach Gary, they're a pretty good comparison to kind of, to leave your mark in the community, uh, and, uh, the, a legacy different than football. Even though you have a very good legacy in football, that's a nice Tom Coughlin comparison there, uh, with what Tom Coughlin does, uh, with the J fund. All right. We got, uh, balling and falling. Little balling and going to it. Oh no, we got to get to Yannick's tweets first. Let's do that. <laughs>
3: music No, no 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 this is way too what is this no, this is, this this is too a car chase. is, he, is he in a car yet. chase right now we got we got to go something is, he, is
0: he doing a bank robbery well not even that doing? that was like that was almost like uh triumphant yeah. like something was done yeah i didn't even know there's a car chase really feel that was triumphant we, like. we just
3: put our thinking caps on though now, th- right? now it
0: could be a triumphant tweet but
3: it's not yet
0: that would be hey, premature that was
3: the same one you just played so that's, hey that's the same one again <laughs> just play what you've been playing there we go. There, Oh, I like better. that. Now we're back. This is like that CSI Like you're thinking, like trying to solve the case.
0: That's what we're trying to do yes, with sir. these tweets. Yep.
3: Do you know what the latest tweet says? No, hit me with it. I'm ready to solve the case. It's simple. Okay. The return. Mm. The return of the what? Return of the Mac? It's a good song. The return. So that's, yeah, I feel happy about that, right? I mean, I-, I feel confident with that tweet that he's coming back. And he also, did you see, I saw one today, he talked to Kaleas Campbell as well. He did. He he
0: reached out to Kaleas about, and Kaleas said, hey, we're going to have a bigger year. So there was no, their communication was, hey, we're going to, it was none of like, I hope you get back here soon so we can have a big year. Yes. It wasn't anything like that. Uh, But yeah, the latest tweet from Yannick Ngakwe 15 minutes ago, the return. And I think he had the old shh emoji. Okay. If I'm seeing
3: <laughs> hey, Yeah. Get a bigger screen, I guess, then, right? <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> it's hard to see what that little face is. Or glasses. <laughs> or glasses, yeah. <laughs> that thing's small, man. Okay. So, is that the only one right now we got to go That's off? That's it, of? just the one. Okay. The return. Hmm, I like it. Uh, and uh,
0: again, what's interesting about this Tuesday deadline, yeah. uh, or at least the first deadline that we just talked about with uh, Rhino Halloran, too. I think what's interesting about that from Yannick Ngakwe's situation, just the logistics, mm-hmm. it's probably dumb even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Is they're going to be up in Baltimore? True. So, where do you report? Do you <laughs> report to Baltimore? Do you report oh. to uh, Jags headquarters? Uh, he's he's from the Maryland area, as you go. Oh, that's a good point too. Say but hi is, to the fam, it, and then He's go? in
3: Jacksonville, though, right?
0: I we don't know where he is. I. Yeah. I mean, he's been in South Florida and in Jacksonville. I don't think he's spent a lot of time in Maryland, as far as I know. Sure. Uh, but it's more South Florida working out and, and here in Jacksonville yeah. working out. So I think, I think he's, he's still here, but I don't know the, that.
3: To the Jacksonville Jaguars headquarters. But... um. I don't know, promise. I mean, from a twi- – <laughs> listen, And don't take this with a grain of salt, please. Like, we're just – I mean, this. I think it's kind of all in good fun. Um, well, yes, yeah, so that's it. Yeah. I mean, even we, if it yeah, took Kuz 15 times to get the right I know music. that was super aggressive on Kuz's part. But I think the fact that he's in communication with with his teammates um, is a good sign, you know. And we talked about it before, Brendan. This is a guy that loves the game of football, you know, and I think he wants to play. I mean, there's something to be said about – kind of sitting on the sidelines right now and seeing the seeing the interviews listening to ESPN 690 like I'm sure Yannick Ngakwe is doing just you know hearing what's going on at training camp and not being a part of it, it, it it's almost like being that kid uh, and you're not getting invited to that birthday party you know like you heard it's a, it's a sweet birthday party everyone's having a good time but you can get invited because you're holding out to maybe get some more gifts or something, whatever it is, you know. So he's kind of outside looking in right now, and from that perspective, it can be hard. Yeah, next really week's come. the
0: first party Thursday night there uh, you in Baltimore for preseason game number one. All right, when we come back, a little balling and falling. I do want to get to the college football uh, as well, and uh, the Huckleberry bet takes a turn. It's all next oh. on ESPN 690.
1: He's caught numerous balls each day of practice, and, uh, you know, that's a role that that position needs to play. I mean, you know, there's pass plays that are extension to your run game. You know, if you throw a guy a wide route, it's basically like, like tossing the football and trying to circle the defense. So that's going to be, I don't want to say a huge piece of our offense, but it's definitely going to be a piece for us, and, and that's a credit to Leonard, because we're trying to find different, unique ways to get him the football. John Filippo on
0: Leonard Fournette. Remember in the spring, or right around minicamp time, John DeFilippo, the Jaguars' offensive coordinator, said, essentially said, as Leonard goes, we go. Yeah. On offense. Yeah. Uh, I'm putting words in his mouth, but paraphrasing. Interpreting. Yeah. And uh, Leonard's a big part of it. Uh, And, you know, I think Leonard has done a fantastic job of overachieving probably from a pass catching standpoint. The knock against him was that he couldn't Catch passes out of the backfield, and he's done a nice job of that in his NFL career uh, to this point. I think it's been far better than anybody gave him credit for uh, when he was coming out of school. So uh, we'll see if he can do it again this year. And how much, you know, I think, De is interesting, right? Because he got he wants to throw the ball, and he was basically kicked out of Minnesota because he didn't run the ball enough. Mm-hmm. But his utilization of the passing game and the short passing game with a guy like Leonard Fournette, he is calling essentially a running. Attack much like uh, Hackett tried that at times in the last couple of years, but I think the best example of it is what the Patriots do. Yeah. Patriots sometimes they really utilize that short passing game to essentially be a run call. <laughs> you yeah. know, where even if it just picks up four, five, six yards on first down, you set yourself up in a good down and distance, yep. uh, for second down and potentially a third down. So, uh, be fun to watch and, and see this offense, uh, develop under John D. Phillip. We'll get our first look at it next week, uh, on Fox 30 up in Baltimore, Jags and Ravens. We're a week away from, uh, preseason game number one. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Coos back here, balling and falling time.
3: We got a lot of different places to go with balling and falling. What you got? So, balling and falling, balling. Brent, you looking for a shoe that says, I'm better than you and I know it? Nike is releasing a gold plated, uh, not really a shoe, more of a football cleat for three guys who were 99 overall in Madden. Uh, the other two guys obviously were not with Nike, so they don't get the shoes. I'm not sure. I mean, it's balling. Yes. And it could be a flex of the day. Yes. But is it really a good thing that these Three players will be wearing gold-plated shoes, signifying that they were 99 overall Maddens, because I feel like it kind of puts a target on your back a little bit when you're on the football field.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a little too much. I mean, listen, the Madden rating's a fun little talking point. It's really fun in the summer leading into camp, you know, when there's really nothing going on in the middle of July. Mm. But, all right, I'm done with the Madden talk.
3: Yeah. I mean it's balling. <laughs> goes, I'll be honest, the shoes look legit and yeah. I wanna do pair. They really look yeah, good. Yeah, they, they look good. But uh yeah, not do the players any favors by kind of singling them out like that.
0: Yeah, on the on their mark yes. a little bit. All, All right. right, here you go, by the way, if you to want to see it. them, yeah, yeah, check
3: those out. They
0: are nice looking. Yeah.
3: Aaron Donald. Yep.
0: Ballin or the list of the top one hundred fallen. Oh. I, I haven't seen the top ten. Aaron Donald's number one. Aaron number one, yeah. Of course. Of course?
3: Yeah. Tom
0: Brady, number six.
3: You said Tom Brady. My Siri just went off for some reason. Um, <laughs> Tom Brady, number six. I'm okay with that. Where's Mahomes? Four. So top quarterback? Top quarterback. Just, just, can you give me like the top five quick so I can get it? Well, a, I'm trying to get to it. Okay. Uh, so do you have a problem with Aaron Donnelly number one?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I'll tell you my problem in the top ten. Okay. Okay, number one is Donald, number two is Drew Brees, number three is Cleo Mack, number four is Patrick Mahomes, number five is Todd Gurley, number six is Tom Brady, number seven is Antonio Brown, number eight is Aaron Rodgers, number nine is Julio Jones, and number ten is Von Miller. I have a problem with a defensive player, Aaron Donald, being number one in a quarterback heavy league when you have Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes' record-setting year, and Tom Brady. There's no way Tom Brady's number six. He's the greatest player of all time, and they just won the Super Bowl last year. So Tom Brady should be the top quarterback on the list, even with Patrick Mahomes' fantastic season. You're not selling me that Patrick Mahomes
3: is a better quarterback. But he's MVP, Brent. Okay. But here's my problem. Drew Brees wasn't. Okay. And he so wasn't. yeah. So that's my issue is that Mahomes is number four. You said yes. Yeah. Uh, and he's two behind Drew Brees. And and I get it. Like yeah, Drew Brees had a, a, an awesome year. Don't get me wrong. But Mahomes MVP was the MVP. Like. Yeah. But Mahomes was the MVP. You know, he kind of changed the game a little bit uh, in terms of how you play the quarterback position. So I have an issue with Patrick Mahomes being number four and not number two. And yes, I do have an issue with Tom Brady, uh, being number six. And
0: then on top of that, you know what, the one that got me is Antonio Brown, number seven. Uh, Oh, Antonio Brown's an awesome wide receiver. But I mean, we could debate whether Julio Jones, whether Odell Beckham Jr., whether AJ Green, I mean, we can have the debate. Whether, can, who but, would you rather have? Who would you take? See, Who's the but best guy? This
3: is going by off of the, the previous season. and last season, Antonio Brown had 15 touchdowns. Mm. Despite all the distraction, 15 touchdowns speaks for itself. So um, is he the best wide receiver right now in the NFL? Uh, it's up for debate. But you put 15 touchdowns on the board, and there you go. Did you and, ever vote on this, by the way? No, never voted. Uh, no, never did. And... Uh, I guess I can, I'll share, uh, I'm gonna share a little inside information about voting for uh, all pros and stuff in a second, Pro Bowl voting. But, um, I want to quick touch on, uh, Aaron Donald, number one. Um, I don't have an issue with him being a defensive tackle, being the number one position, just because I think it was like two years ago when JJ Watt was hurt. Remember when JJ J. Watt got hurt and he was still in the top 100, didn't play a lick yes, of yes, football yes, in the entire season? He was, like he was like in the so, 90s. Yeah, yeah, he was in the 90s. So, um, Aaron Donald's a game record. Yeah, there's a you lot know. of respect. Yeah. This is so
0: so these guys are all great players. Yeah. There's a respect level is what sticks out. Yeah. And there's a massive level of respect for what Aaron Donald has done. Yeah. And there should be. Yeah. I mean he's, he, I I guess I shouldn't say I have a major I don't know if I have a major problem with him being that, but just feels in this quarterback dominant league. When you when I give you Drew Brees, Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, sure. I mean I could almost say one, two, three before yeah. anybody else.
3: So I'm going to let you on know, a little uh, behind-the-curtain thing here when it comes to voting for things like these and Pro Bowls. which you got? Um, you stay loyal to your teams first. So, for instance, if you're playing for the Jaguars, and let's say uh, there was, I don't know, I mean, give me four defensive ends, Brent, and the AFC. And I, see, it's kind of hard to get all the names, but let's say there's four defensive ends that are viable for the Pro Bowl, right? And Gakwe okay. is one of those guys. So, when you put down the list of who you want for the Pro Bowl, you put four guys down. You're going to put Ngakwe if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar, and you're not going to put the other three guys that are in in the, in the contention, because you want Ngakwe to get the most votes as possible. So, you're going to put Ngakwe, and Ran- then you're going to Randoms. put some random guys. Randoms. Yeah. Uh, same thing for the top, uh, the top 100 of the NFL, where... Uh-huh. Uh, say like you because know, you know that they ask certain guys from certain teams. The guys from certain teams are always going to vote for their guys first, hands well, and, down, because and, it's, it's the unwritten rule, man. And, and that's why, back.
0: by the way, players shouldn't vote on things. Fair enough. They really don't because yeah. listen, players kind of like uh, kind of like coaches. Like we're going to talk college football a little bit. The coaches poll, yeah. And they don't pay attention to it. Like and people rip on the media. Where right, the media yeah. voted on the Jags sure. all twenty five, and they're ripping on the media, but. The players don't pay attention to all this stuff. It is a bit of a high school popularity contest, well, a buddy system, a respect yeah. system. Well,
3: it's a, think about this, though. It's a respect system. It's a buddy system. Call it what you want. But it's having your brother's back because you got to think, Brent. Sometimes in these contracts, there's stipulations where if the guy makes the Pro Bowl, they get more money. You know, yeah, yeah. there's stipulation. Good point. Good point. So anytime you want to vote for a teammate to go to the Pro Bowl or get all pro, whatever it is, you're helping that teammate get more money, and that's what you want, right? I mean, that's being a good teammate. So, yeah, uh, it's it's extremely biased in terms of this voting. At least it was when I played. Now maybe they changed the rules a little bit. I can, but see I that. doubt it. <laughs> All right, fallen real quick, what you got? Oh man, sorry, I kind of got thrown off a tangent a little bit. Ah, uh, fallen, you know, it's going to the Chargers and Melvin Gordon here. Um, when we, you know, when we talk about the teams uh, this up and coming season, the Chargers, top to bottom, have probably the, some of the most talent, if not the most talent, in the NFL. And it seems like every single year, whether they have an injury or something occur where they don't have the top talent produced on the field. Well, this year, uh, it hasn't been an injury yet. It's been a distraction with Melvin Gordon. And now Melvin Gordon has come out and said that he wants to be traded. And, you know, Phillip Rivers has been on record saying that we don't need Melvin Gordon. We're fine with what we have. Melvin Gordon's a game changer, man. Regardless of, you know, you can quote his injury history, whatever you want to do, but the guy is versatile in running the ball and catching the uh, catching the pass out of the backfield. And he's a game record, to say the least. And not to bounce Austin Eckler, who was on my fantasy team last year. Austin Eckler, a great running back in his own right, but he's not Melvin Gordon. So um, not good right now for the San Diego Chargers. There's been some discrepancies with the quarterback, talking about the running back. And anytime that happens, Brent, you start to lose that locker room a little bit. So hopefully they can get it together. Or if you're a Jaguars fan, I guess you want to see him uh, struggle as much as possible. But I just hope it works out for everybody. I kind
0: of feel like Rhino O'Halloran just said it might be a Hail Mary to ask for the trade. And Yannick Ngakwe and yeah. could do the same sooner or later, but it ain't happening. Yeah. i trading trade Yannick Ngakwe. I don't think they're trading Melvin Gordon. Yeah. When we come back, uh, did I make the right move or the wrong move on an update of the Huckleberry bet? That's the fallen. I think I might be fallen. Uh-oh. And uh, your Those conversation Astros. with Taven Bryan next.
9: Uh, It was terrible. You know, I mean, we, we, you know, big expectations and we didn't play as well as we wanted to. But the good thing about that is, is that it was a learning experience. You know, we have a young team, matured a lot. You know, uh, you can see, you know, the guys who are still here from that team. Uh, There's a lot of maturity, a lot of lessons being learned. So, you know, I think it's going to pay dividends this year. You know, this team that we have this year, I I love the energy in the locker room right now.
0: That's Calais Campbell uh, earlier this week on the Rich Eisen show and sharing some thoughts about last year. And he talked about a bunch of things like Nick Foles and also Leonard Fournette. So a lot of this year talk. But uh, just another thought on last year. And, you know, D.D. Westbrook has recently said uh, about the maturity and things going wrong. And you know what, man? It's winning and losing. It feels like just winning and losing. Simple as that. Everything spins off winning and losing. We'll see what happens with the Jacksonville Jaguars this year, if they can turn it around. Or you always run the risk of a locker room going boom. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, you've been in them. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it might have been one of the most impressive things, actually, during some of the years you were playing, is it really didn't feel like it did that. <sighs> now, behind the scenes, it might have at times, no, it honestly, but you couldn't sense that from the outside.
3: For As bad as it was, Brent, uh, we had every reason to, but I guess that goes to show you the leadership that we had, and I guess the type of dudes that we had in the locker room, uh, where it never got to the point where it, it combusted, you know, and... um. Snowball. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of upset guys. I mean, no one likes winning, you know, three, or four games a season. That sucks for anybody. But for the most part, um, I thought the coach did a good job of, you know, trying to keep us in line as well as the leadership on that team.
0: All right, I got Fallen here. I get, what, what do you think? Uh, would you uh, have, what would you have done? Here's the situation. The Huckleberry bet is this. I bet somebody, not a nice guy, but bet him. Um, it's a $100 bet. And yep. the other guy gets, the Red Sox, Astros, Indians, Yankees—all they have to. One of those four teams has to go to the World Series. I get the rest of the field to go to the World Series. Uh, silly bet, probably most people think. At times this year, it's like, oh, wait a minute—the Minnesota Twins, the Rays playing well, yeah. Oakland A's playing all right, yeah. So there, are, there there's been this time. Well, yesterday at the trade deadline. I feel like the Yankees are sliding sliding a little bit. You can question their their starting pitching. They stay pat. I am convinced the Red Sox are not going to the World Series.
3: No, no, no. You're good with that one. The
0: Indians have been hot lately, really hot lately, and they're on the toes now, I mean, on the heels of of Minnesota, even though Minnesota had like a 10-game lead like three weeks ago. Two and a half games back now. Yeah. Yeah. So a little nervous about that one. And then the Astros, who I really am nervous about in general, I think they're such a good team, and I like their team. They go and get cranky at the trade deadline. It's like, oh, my. Goodness, right? What more do you guys need? How well, many more new toys do you guys need? Yeah. So, with that being said, I got this offer when I was done with uh, radio yesterday. I got an offer on the table. Oh, and so, you know, you know when you're like you play a sport in high school okay. and you sell like, uh, you know, like one of those cards that have like yep. five dollars off this, oh, five dollars yeah, off yeah. that. I know you are talking yeah, about. Yeah, what? Sometimes they're five dollars, sometimes they're ten dollars. Well, sure. inflation has hit now, and they're twenty dollars. Sure. For this particular person's son oh, selling them.
3: Okay. So the the
0: it was so put now, to me this so way. So now we
3: working in high school tickets into the sports bet that you guys made. A little bit. This because legal? this
0: was the offer. Okay. The offer was I, buy, I, I had no choice. I had to buy one of the 20. We support yeah. each other's uh, kids in these endeavors. So sure. I had to buy $20 worth. So one of these things. Okay. But the offer was if I bought three of these things. The Huckleberry bet was over. So three of them for how much? Sixty bucks. Sixty bucks. Do you think? Or I could double down on the one hundred dollar bet. Now, not double it the money, but I oh. could say I am sticking yeah. with the bet and just so, buy the one.
3: So here is my opinion, Brent. Number one, you made this bet when we had our radio show, right? You didn't confide in me, and that's fine. Yes, it's this was good. a
0: spur of the moment bet.
3: It like was. it was mid podcast at one time. Brent, anytime you do anything in the community, whether it's making bets or whatnot, you represent myself, the ESPN six ninety brand, and even Coos, <laughs> even Coos, and even Coos. <laughs> so when you made this bet, I was upset. Yes, because I felt like I was involved in this bet as well, and Man. I would have told you not to do it. It'd be like me trying to play FanDuel tonight for a preseason Hall of Fame game. Not saying I'm gonna do it. Not, Already not got saying, mindset. I'm not saying I'm gonna spend four bucks and do it tonight, but I'm just saying if I was to do it, I would have Brent and Coos in mind. Not saying I'm gonna do it. I probably will because I, I have a problem. <laughs> but um, getting back to your your bet though, so when you did it, yeah, I was a little taken aback, and I was like, man, that's horrible. That's a hundred bucks down the drain. But then the way things are shaken out. You know, and, and you kind of called it when we made our predictions. The Twins, you know, the, the the Twins are obviously the team that you need to go to the World Series. Yeah. I think
0: uh, of anything. I'm riding with them. You're riding with the Twins or an upset with the Rays or Oakland, but yes. I don't have a lot of
3: faith in that. But I've also heard you say on the show where the Yankees' problem last year was the fact that they depended on home run hitting way too much, yes. didn't have the pitching, didn't play the small ball. Well, you can say the same thing for the Twins. At the same time, though, man, I feel like you got to see this thing through. Uh, maybe the guy that you made a bet with, not going to name your names, might be, maybe he's a little nervous, the fact that he's trying to weasel out of this a little bit. Ah, I like it. Because you know why, Brent? I mean, 100 bucks is 100 bucks. Yeah, it is. but Bregan I already like, won $100 you know bucks in Vegas. But Bregan rights last forever. Yes, they and do. And if you were to win this bet, you'd have the Bregan rights of a lifetime. Because I gave you crap about it. I can only imagine what the people who made this bet with you said about oh, it. Oh, my gosh. I've been getting hammered. So to still me, man. Am. So to me, I've already got. The, I'd see it through. If I win this thing, yeah.
0: Oh, there's going to be. It's, <laughs> well, it's going to be quite the celebration. Well, you think a you, Jags victory parade yeah. is good? A yeah. happy
3: hour celebration? <laughs> yeah, well, here's I the will. thing, though. You said if you win it, you have to take the bet still. So you, you see, so you, you can't opt out of it, Brent. So well,
0: I had till midnight last night. Yeah. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? Yeah. Because I already won a hundred bucks in Vegas. Yeah. Because Let's I ride. like to support the kids. Yeah. I'm going to buy all three of those coupon things and I'm letting it ride.
3: That's my co host right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's my co host right there. I love it. I'm fired up now. So you basically triple down. You said, no, we're <laughs> yeah. still doing the bet and I'm going to buy your kids uh, tickets. Absolutely. I love it. That's what we do at the I get back to the community, yes. and I'm still going to win this thing. And then when you win the bet, you're going to flex on everybody, and I can't wait. Oh, my wait. gosh. I can't wait. But seriously, those Astros, The amount of Huckleberry team. Team jam <laughs> that's going to be sent to this guy's house. I mean, we might have to, like, break our way into the Astros' locker room, They <laughs> <make> cover <laughs> it, and take out Verlander and Granky though, man, because they're loaded right now. I'll be honest, Brent. I'm, no. I'm nervous.
0: I'm but up against it. I like it. it. I, but the I, St. Louis like Blues won the Stanley Cup. Nobody
3: would have figured Anything it Anything can happen, Brent. Oakland A's, let's go. Because I had them in, in, the in my... And the Patriots didn't
0: win the Super Bowl. I don't what kind of plans <blends> on that.
3: <laughs> hey, but you know what? Warriors t- didn't r- win. Toronto Raptors, I was going to say. Toronto Raptors, in, uh, they won. So you never know, Brent. Uh, I might need a drink.
0: <laughs> let's go to the happy hour, Horn.
3: a drink, get a shot, tip your star tenders, and grab some guns metaphorically and stick to them just <laughs> like Mr. Marno did. I'm proud of you, man. Thank you very much. I'm glad you're with me. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Vita de Louis recently got a 94 rating.
0: Locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in tequila, Mexico, and shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila. One of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. Locations, recipes, merchandise. Visit VitaDeLouis.com. Drink responsibly. All right. You caught up with Taven Brian.
3: I did. and did. Uh, you have fun with him. The cat sat on the it was a blast, yeah. It was a blast. This is the, the third interview in a row where we're disrupted a little bit by another player. There's been uh, a lot um, of that at camp. Yeah, and I don't know, is it just me or is it you too? Are they disrupting no, yeah, you? yeah, they've disrupted uh, okay, just good. about every interview
0: we've all done. All right, TV, good, radio. Alright, so they're, they're not
3: singling me out all good? I like it. They're in a good
0: mood, you know why? Because they yeah. love this schedule. Of they course. They absolutely love the camp schedule. Yeah. And they're
3: in a good mood? Yeah, and I kind of took it upon myself to challenge Taven Bryan a little bit because what I've heard, he's kind of a hard egg to crack, you know, he doesn't say a lot. He um, doesn't usually. And he doesn't like to smile so i took it upon myself to try to ease him up a little bit here
0: see what right. we did here's your conversation with the second year player out of the university of florida and hails from wyoming Taven bryant
3: joined by Taven bryant Taven, man going in your second year now uh your second year with training camp uh how is it different from your first rookie year compared to now
4: uh you know just the responsibility you know knowing what i'm supposed to do big in three technique uh knowing the scheme you know not just knowing what i'm doing what everybody else is doing and trying to uh you know be able to play off that. They always say you gained the most
3: progress from your first year going into your second year what have you focused on this offseason try to improve as a, as a player?
4: Uh, just knowing my responsibility you know knowing like I mean with us big in three technique kind of different positions really and uh, you know I kind of switched them up last year I was playing one the wrong way and then played the other one the other way and so now I kind of got it focused in and you know know what I'm supposed to do in each one very specific.
3: Clayus Campbell's a guy who's been singing your praises uh for a while now you know and it's a guy that uh I'm sure you're honored to learn from, what, what has Clarence Campbell really taught you about the game of football, not only on the field, but off the field as well?
4: Just a bunch of little things, you know, I mean, uh, it's all down to little things, you know, Use my hands, making sure I'm, you know, keeping hands off me, uh, you know, formation recognition, you know, knowing where the ball's going before, you know, they even snap it, you know, just the little things just to get by and just makes it so much easier and faster.
3: So, last year, obviously, it wasn't no secret, you played out of position a little bit, you played a new spot that you haven't been used to playing, um, how is it going this year? I see you feel a little more comfortable, it seems like you have adjusted well, I mean, do you enjoy playing that five technique, or would you rather just play the three technique the whole time?
4: Uh, no, I enjoy playing both, you know, now that I kind of understand the difference, uh, I mean, it makes a whole world of difference, I mean, just knowing how I'm lined up, you know, the angle, the, the set, where my aiming point is and whatnot, just being able to play it, uh, you know, playing it's actually pretty fun, you know, and, uh, you know, when you know what you're doing, it makes things easier, and it kind of makes things go faster. So, I mean, you know, just little things. Absolutely.
3: So when you got drafted, one of the biggest stories was that your dad was, in fact, a Navy SEAL. Uh, excluding yourself, if you could pick one guy to go through training camp or go through, through SEAL camp and make it through, who would it
4: be? Okay. Yeah, um, yeah a little curveball there. That'd be a hard one. Yeah. Because a lot of big guys don't end up being seals. They end up getting cut out just because they're too big and they can't. They can't. They're not very well rounded. Have to be like a running back or, man, uh, huh? It have to be a little guy like Fournette. I think Fournette kind of has the attitude. He would do well. Okay. See,
3: see, what I was thinking was like Quincy Williams because he's a good swimmer. Because like you have to be a good swimmer to be a seal, right? So I was thinking Quincy Williams.
4: Great people in the water. Yeah. Uh, dang, that's that's hard. That's hard. Yeah, Josh Allen. You know, uh, he's 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 pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Josh, what's up, man? How you doing? What are we talking about? Steel training.
3: Would you make it through, Josh Allen? All right, Josh Allen. Hey, thanks for stopping by, Josh. Good to see you, man. I got, I got a few more questions for you. So you mentioned Leonard Fournette. He's a guy who actually trained in Wyoming this offseason. Uh, kind of went off the grid a little bit. Did he hit you up at all about some advice about what to do in Wyoming when he was there or not?
4: Uh, No, I think he was just focused. He was in there training, doing his thing, making sure he's ready, and uh, you know, just coming out to have a great season.
3: Yeah, the nickname, the the Wyoming Wild, man. What's the wildest thing that you've done? in the state of Wyoming. I
4: don't know if I can talk about that on the news. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: all good. Uh, does this involve some kind of animal? Deer or
4: fishing or anything? Or? Oh, yeah, I go okay. hunting, fishing. Okay. Mostly just chill when I go home now, hang out with my fam. OK,
3: cool, I got a couple quick hitters for you. So you're a pretty big gamer. Uh, PlayStation, Xbox, or PC? PC. OK. That's a
4: the question, you know. Okay. PC, PC, PC,
3: PC. Apex Legends or Fortnite? Apex. Who's the character in Apex?
4: Uh, I usually play, uh, Chappie, or no, he's called Pathfinder. Okay,
3: Pathfinder, gotcha, okay, gotcha. Uh, we got a couple more questions for you
4: here. flat ranked right now, you know, I only have a couple days off, you know. I'll be back, I'll be diamond probably at the end of the week. Are you the best gamer on the team? Uh, in Apex? Probably. Okay. I would say so. Okay. I'm pretty good at Apex, I play a lot of Apex. Okay, okay, and have you been
3: playing during the hot, like during training camp too, or do you kind of rest a little I'm bit? Flat. Okay, fair enough, eh? We talked a little bit of gaming, a little bit of uh, wilderness, a little bit of everything. So, appreciate it, man. Yeah. David Bryan, thank you, man. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you got a lot you out of Taven to- Bryan, man. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you have to watch the video, though, with uh, with Josh Allen when he kind of busts up. First of all, he's, he gives uh, and Bryan a wet willy. So, <laughs> Taven didn't like that. And then when uh, Taven was talking about the whole Navy SEAL training, he kind of shook his head about uh, Josh Allen being nominated for that. So, it's it's better if you see it in person. Okay. I think. the
0: yeah. uh, I... I really wanted to hear what he had. I wish he would have answered your question about Navy Seal. I know
3: that would have been good. Yeah. Well, he, he said Leonard Fournette. He thought he would be the guy that could no, do the Seal No, I mean Josh training. Allen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When he yeah. popped over, he was, you yeah. were about that, and then oh, yeah. kind of walked said, away. What you do? He's like, no. Well, he, he shook his head, no, like he wouldn't do it. So, oh, okay, I see. Was, I see. Yeah. So not verbal. Wasn't about it. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um. Hey. Uh. News uh, again from the Jaguars. Uh. Doug Marone saying this evening uh, Jaguars. Dot that. Uh, two things. On Quincy Williams, which we'll update you if you're just catching in, Quincy Williams out four to six weeks is the report uh, from Ian Rappaport and later confirmed uh, by the Jaguars that he has a uh, slight tear in his meniscus. He will need arthroscopic surgery. So he is out. The rookie linebacker out of Murray State who had been performing really well at the outset of camp and even in the spring, and the Jags really need him, Yeah, uh, it looks like, because – uh Telvin Smith is not playing in 2019. Marone on Williams, the expectation is he will be ready for the first game. Mm -hmm. So that's a positive sign because if you add up the timeline four to six weeks, it can be anywhere from back by Labor Day to being out to the middle of September. And again, I would cautious, I think, uh, from uh, from the fan perspective – Uh, from the outside looking in. I think this is a guy that's going to miss a lot of time. That time was going to be valuable to him because he's new to the NFL, and he even admitted things were going fast in his mind. Mm -hmm. So this is an important month for him, and I think uh, you have to pump the brakes a little bit now in your expectation of him just plugging and playing right in. Another injury update. I talked about Josh Allen earlier because of the wrist injury. That's not the update. The other one is Josh Oliver, the tight end. Oh, yeah. He, He went down today, too. He went down today with a hamstring. He has an MRI tonight or early tomorrow and Doug Marone says he'll know more of a timeline tomorrow so really not a good day at Jags camp if you think about it Quincy Williams uh, out four to six weeks. Josh Oliver, an MRI, the tight end, of course, that they will need and rely on here this year. Uh, he has a hamstring injury, and those can be nagging. So my guess Whoa. is he now sits mm-hmm. for quite for at least the uh, immediate future. And then Josh Allen's nothing to be concerned about. I want to make that clear. But he did have a, a softer, hard cast on his left wrist. But he practiced full today, so it doesn't appear to be a problem. And he said afterwards it's not.
3: But especially two rookies, too, as well, right? These are two guys yep. that kind of need those training camp reps to get acquainted to the NFL now that'll probably missing some time. Uh, we'll see with the with the Josh Oliver front. So, not a good day as from the from the injury perspective. Yeah, really first time. in uh, yeah, this and training camp. Hey, it happens. Every team
0: goes through it. So, the good thing it's nothing catastrophic. Exactly. But now they got to be patient with some of these injuries. When we come back, we do have stay in your lane, and we have a little bit of an interpretation game to play, <laughs> and we need your help. Coming up on ESPN six ninety.
7: It's Calais
4: Campbell, you know, y'all yeah, seen his work, y'all yeah, seen what he's been doing for the last ten plus years. So having a guy like that that wants to teach me and that wants, you know, that wants that needs me, oh uh, man, it's, it's obvious. I'm gonna listen to anything he tells me to do, and what and he's telling me to do, I can do it. So when I do do it, he's making the play and I'm making the play, and we're gonna be unstoppable duo. How about that, Josh Allen?
0: And I would later ask Allen about Yannick Ngakwe. I think it's kind of interesting because in Ngakwe right now being out, Josh Allen can get some more reps, but at the same time, he can't bend the ear of a guy that's done it for the last few years. So he can't kind of tutor him along and kind of be that leader that that Yannick Ngakwe said he wants to be. Um, So there's a little give and take from the Yannick Ngakwe to Josh Allen uh, side of things, but you get... You get it a lot with Calais Campbell on the other side, so it's probably not missing too much, even though Ngakwe's uh, not around in meetings in on the field right now. Uh, so that was the Josh Allen part of it when it comes to Calais Campbell. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos back here on a Thursday. Uh Really, a lot of Jags injury news uh happening this afternoon. We'll update you on that in just a minute. But Calais Campbell uh, this week was on the Rich Eisen show, uh, which airs noon to three on uh, uh TV. And... He said this about the rookie.
9: You know, you give me a guy who loves the game. You know, we can we, we can we can figure out how to play football the right way. But he has a lot of natural ability, and, he, and he's a, he's a sponge for knowledge. I mean, he has so many questions, and know really tries to understand the details of things, and he'll work it. And you know, I mean, today after practice, we're working on the move, and you know, and I was trying to work with him, and he was, you know, he was terrible at it at first, but then we got to work it a little bit more, and it's like ah, you know, and he started getting a feel for it and you know and i think it's going to be a big move for
0: him Well, there you go there's Calais Cam on Josh Allen i kind of like that uh, little back and forth right mm-hmm. uh, from from the rookie's perspective on Calais to the to the veteran's respect uh perspective on the rookie and fun little matchup uh fun little marriage right now on that defensive line for the jaguars i mean you really you, i i don't want to get carried away with allen until we really see him get going in the month of September. Uh But I love the pick at number 7. And now you put him in a rotation with, I think, Ngakwe's going to be back in play. And so you put him in that rotation with Calais, with Ngakwe, with, uh obviously, Allen and Marcel Darius, who nobody talks enough about, really. Uh, throw in Avery Jones in there. We'll see about Taven Bryan. I mean, I, you just had an interview with Taven Bryan in the last segment. Taven Bryan right now is the biggest question mark along that front. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, the depth behind... Calais Campbell, certainly it can be a conversation. Dewan Smoot, but uh, Dewan Smoot, who actually had a, a very nice play today, um, coming across uh, against the running back, and I forget who it was at the, the running back position. I don't think it was Cunningham. might have been Armstead. I think it was Armstead. I think it gave him a little extra shove for the rookie. So I remember saying, ah, yeah, give him a little rookie love. Uh, (laughs) But it was a nice play by Smoot, uh, and he looked fast on that play. So we'll see what – from a question mark standpoint, it really comes down to Taven Bryan from an expectations and trying to fill the shoes of Malik Jackson uh, along that front. All right, we got to get to stay in your lane. Yeah. And part of stay in your lane will have interpretation and – Listener participate, participant participation. 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 Thank yep. you very much. All that was good. easy. Uh, so, you'll get there. We will get there, but this is going to be tough. Like, you think interpreting Yannick and tweets are hard? <laughs> get the music ready, Koos. Wait until you get to the pump your break segment. Yeah. Of staying your legs. Well, so. and,
3: and to be fair, I've, I haven't cheated. I haven't heard the soundbite yet, but Yeah, because I kind of gave it yeah, to you. Yeah, so basically I supplied you, it yeah, yeah, today. Yeah, you supplied it today, and I can't wait to hear it to try to analyze good just luck. what uh, Ed Orgeron said. Yeah. But before we get there, Brent, we got to go a little cruise control first. And, Brent, let's be honest, man. Uh, we're two men of the people, right? We would like to go out, maybe have a good time. Absolutely. But, but, but you know, we're not, Brent, we're not the VIP bottle service type of dudes, right? We're, we're a couple... Let's get a couple brewskis, play some darts, shoot some pool kind of guys. You know, we're we're men of the people. We don't do the bottle service thing. Just not our style. Well, Chad Johnson, a.k.a. Ocho Cinco, uh, found himself in VIP a couple days ago. And while I may not be the the most VIP-friendly guy, what he did I respect a little bit. Uh, Chad Johnson, who is a fan of McDonald's, as you may or may not know, proceeded while he was in a club sitting VIP, uh, used a food delivering service on his app, and had McDonald's. Um, catered to the VIP club, uh, where he was sitting for bottle service. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, 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 the girls and everybody that was around him, uh, feasted on Big Macs, chicken nuggets, McChickens, a fillet of fishes, and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, props to Chad Johnson, you know, for, for bringing, uh, VIP back down to the, you know, to the human level and bringing some McDonald's to everybody. I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I like, uh, the guys just don't care. About yeah. that, you know, yeah. like, I'll do whatever I want to do. Yeah, for sure. Kind
3: of like I did with Travis Kelsey's bar tab when he got uh, escorted out of VIP. I told the story you before. You did tell but, us that story, yeah. that's right. And I can't wait to meet Travis Kelsey again and uh, say thank you.
0: At for... least he doesn't owe you money like everybody else does.
3: Apparently, right? A lot of guys owe me money out there. A lot of guys. Yes. Uh, all
0: right. Now it's pump your brakes, time. I'm excited. Are You You want me to introduce it or you want to introduce it?
3: Uh, you can introduce it if you want. I just want to get what he's saying. This is LSU head coach Eddie O.
0: (laughs) Talking. I think the setting was uh, like a group of fans, kind of like a booster club type of thing. I think so. He's like at a podium. That's all I could really tell. It looked like he was at, you know, almost like uh, speaking, he wasn't at a rotary club. I don't think he was at that. I think it was more like a booster club. Sure. Um, That's what I'm assuming because I was so lost in translation that I really didn't pay attention to anything else. Yeah. But seriously, this is like a seven or eight second clip, right, Kuz? Does it sound right? Yeah, it's So it's like seconds. 7 or 8, oh, 12 seconds. If, if you can make this out. Hit me with it. Here's the deal. If you can really tell me what, what he's saying, and maybe it's already out, maybe it's been interpreted and I haven't seen it. Like I might have to
3: give somebody a hat. Okay. I, I want a hat, even though I'm not going to wear it because I can't wear a hat with my, with my hair, but let's, here All right, we take go. Take a listen.
2: When they're talking good about you, you want to read that Twitter machine. Man, everybody's getting on that Twitter machine. My Twitter machine is turned off. That's it. And I'm glad you wanted to have that raffle of Salafushi. So we never got past number one.
3: Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, thought I, I thought I had you thought you had I had it. I thought I had it now. That's oh, the impact yeah. yeah, The first six machine. seconds, good. And hey, hey, like, like, all of right, a sudden, we just went off the highway and the brakes were cut because that second part... Cruise,
2: Here we go. Yeah, hit it again, please. they're talking good about you, you want to read that Twitter machine, man. Everybody's getting on that Twitter machine. My Twitter machine is turned off. That's it. And I'm glad you want to have that raffle for a solid fool who never got past number one.
3: <laughs> I'm glad to have that around for a couple solid fools who never got number one. That's what I garnered, but it doesn't make wow. any sense. Like you actually could make something out of that. that-
2: it's hey, well, not we'll, 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 we'll gonna, gonna be one more time yeah. never got past
0: number one <laughs> I talked over it sorry, yeah, go ahead. And I'm, glad you,
2: raffle, you <laughs> I'm, I'm sure glad, glad you didn't have that raffle never got past number one. I'm sure glad you didn't have that
3: raffle no, I'm glad we didn't have that around for the solid fools who didn't get past number one, which uh-huh. means I guess he's trying to say like, I'm glad that wasn't around when he was growing up. That's pretty good by you. One more time, Coos, then we're really good.
2: I'm glad you didn't have that round for the solid fools who wouldn't have got past number one.
3: I'm glad we didn't have that around for the solid fools who wouldn't have got past number one. To talk about Twitter. I'll tell you what. That was impressive. There you go. Most
0: impressive thing you've done on this show, maybe. (laughs) I
3: I guess. Is that what he said? I'm not going to argue. I'm not sure. I don't know. think you're right. As you're saying that, I'm hearing it more and more. I I like it. To be fair, it doesn't make any sense to me.
0: But that's what it sounds like. That is amazing, though, isn't it? See, I didn't even That's hear the insane. first part. That's why I thought it was like seven seconds. I thought it was just like the last bit, and uh, the first bit was like, "Oh man, I think who's got the wrong one." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so then all of a sudden he Twitter. goes into that. Man, though, like he is lived it, is he the most ever, I lived in Louisiana.
3: LSU coach ever? Be honest, he really. I mean, he is.
0: But I lived in Louisiana for about six months. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, that Ragin' Cajun, we weren't even in Ragin' Cajun country. Sure. We were a little uh, northeast of Ragin' Cajun country. But I worked with a couple guys that were Ragin' Cajun. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was a, an interesting interpretation. Yeah. But this guy takes it to a whole new level. It's man. insane. It's absolutely like, insane. Like, I would love to know if that just came, when he said that, people were like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I got you.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Um. Yeah, man, like I said, that's the most LSU coach of all time. Uh not sure that's what he said, and I'll have to kind of do some research here and see exactly what he said there. But it's funny, you know, it seems like, I'm not trying to to poke fun at anybody, but, you know, that that, thick Cajun accent, it's hard to understand. But I remember when I played at college, we had a bunch of guys from Mississippi, and those guys from Mississippi had their own language. Like, I could, and I felt so bad, because they'd talk, I'd be like, I don't know, man. You know, like, I mean, it would be like an offensive lineman trying to talk to me, like, going and practice. I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. I, it, I, I don't know. Like, to bring it just... to
6: Shark Week when they're hunting the sharks in the bayou, which yes. I was watching last yes, night. Yes, I'm listening yes, to them talk. Call. I'm like... What are you
3: saying? It's like their own little language, man. But um it's but, but it's weird from a head coach though, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, from you know, the leader of the team uh of a university to sound like that. I mean me personally, I love it. And I think the players love playing for him as well because he does have that thick Cajun accent. But um it's different, man. It it takes a little bit to
0: warm I, up to. I was impressed with your interpretation skills there. Are you good at like this is another one I'm not good at. Yeah. Songs. Like Oh, I have to listen yeah. to songs a lot yeah. or just go cheat and get the lyrics. Sure, sure. I cannot. I'm like, what are they saying? I'm, I'm one pretty, of those guys like, songs. I'll be singing the
3: wrong lyrics because yeah. I'm like,
0: I have no idea what they're I'm,
3: saying. I'm pretty good with songs. Are you? And I'm one of those guys that I can hear a song and I can kind of like memorize the lyrics and you I can You know who's good? Like, my kids are good at it. Okay.
0: I don't know if they're like, maybe their ears are just better and mine are worse than I want to admit. <laughs> sure, like, sure. I mean, I don't think I'm hard of hearing yet, but yeah. maybe it's starting to go. Yeah. Uh, but I noticed that when I was like, ah, oh, they knew... Uh, Three songs, three times hearing the song. Bang. Yeah. Yeah they, yeah. they know. Kaylee's like really good at it. Yeah. So uh, I am not, never have been. And, uh, but that's what it reminded me of. For sure. It's like take, and not to take any kind of genre. Yeah. There's sometimes you're like, what did they just say? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, well, Eddie O, every time he talks, you O, you're
3: like, yeah. What did he just say? Well, people watch like the, the BBC, like you know, like the British channels too for TV shows. Oh yeah, like, so, <laughs> it'd be like movies too. Like you know, there's like a uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Every once in a while, you'll you'll get a, a movie too where they have some of that accent that uh, it's hard to follow. All right, let's stay on college football because I never got to oh, it. We had some call. news about
0: Quincy Williams, yes. and and uh, and and we'll revisit that in just a moment before we get out of here on a Thursday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Here's the top 25 poll. Uh, Uh, Put out by the coaches uh, poll, and most of the time coaches don't know what the heck they're doing in terms of polling anyway, but (laughs) Clemson, number one, Alabama, number two, no surprise, three, Georgia, very high rating and uh, a lot of respect, four, Oklahoma, with Jalen Hurts, five, Ohio State, so no surprises, right? Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, throw them in a bucket and pick out of a hat, and you're probably going to end up with that in the top five. Pretty par for the course so far. LSU, number six, in Eddie O., In the interpretation game. Michigan 7, Florida 8, Notre Dame 9, Texas 10. My thought is I still think Florida might be a shade too high. Um, I think everything went right last year for Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a good ranking top 10, but I think uh, it's a a little bit too high. After that, Texas A&M. Washington, Oregon, Penn State, Utah. UCF and Wisconsin tied at uh, 17. That's of note. Pretty interesting. A lot of respect for UCF given the last two years. I think a lot of people, inter- the 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 view of UCF my from a broad landscape mm-hmm. is that UCF, Mackenzie Milton got hurt. They had a great two-year run. Scott Frost was amazing. He left. His guys were still there. Josh Heupel did a nice job with it. So they had this winning streak. Uh, they got all the notoriety. Well, the run is over. And I think if you read between the lines and what people are saying about UCF and their football program right now and the complimentary articles they're they're getting, the stories coming out of Orlando, they might be just as good, if not better than they've been from a talent and depth standpoint. So a lot of respect from the coaches for what UCF has done at the top 20 preseason ranking. Uh, Nothing really jumps out at me. In the final five, although for our buddy Alex Brooks, I'll mention Syracuse at number twenty-two. Uh, uh, anything jump
3: out of do, you? Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. Am I looking at maybe look at the different one? Is Army in the top twenty-five that I see? Because in this one, I got, I'm looking, I got, looking at the wrong one. I got Army number twenty-five here. This is the College Football News Coaches Poll preseason. Uh Maybe it's a different one. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, you must because I just gone. looked
0: it up in a different. Uh, no, I just clicked on the same one. So let me just double check that uh, that this site does. I looked down on CBS Sports. Okay, and now I'm going to look it up on uh, USA Today. Make sure I have the right one. You, I may have the wrong one then. Florida, Notre Dame, Texas. That looks yeah, the same. Yeah, you go
3: to Oklahoma State number yeah, yeah. twenty five. Okay, so yep. must have been. Okay, sorry. Me? Um, yeah, <laughs> I saw that. I was like, no, that's maybe well, last that, year. That might, <laughs> no, no, no.
0: I think you're. I think you're actually onto something. That might have been a. I don't know if that's whatever poll that is, but Army is in others receiving votes in this okay. poll. So Maybe I think they're different... they predicted to have a pretty good squad. Now, Florida State not in the top 25 at all and hardly yeah. in uh, others receiving votes, and rightfully so. Boise State, actually, in other receiving votes, is second on the list behind Nebraska. So that's interesting as uh, Florida State and Boise State will, well, will play, of and course, in Jacksonville and to start me, the year.
3: And Nebraska a very uh, – I get it. Scott Frost, you know, uh, hell of a coach. But last year, Nebraska – I had nothing to show for it, no, right? No, but they I mean, bounced they,
0: back nice, and they were in a lot yeah. of games. They, they kind of flirted. I think they think, you know, that was year well, one. Plus, and
3: they have a quarterback who's in the Heisman talks, at least. So uh, What yeah, does that mean? I don't know. I but. think there's a lot of respect
0: for Frost, and if he can bring them back. By the way, if Scott Frost can't bring them back, they're probably not coming back. True. Uh, Miami is another receiving votes uh, with Manny Diaz, too. So, uh, and, and I think there are a lot of question marks down there. Like I always say, in, outside of the top 20, mm-hmm really outside of the top 15, you get you really get a lot of questions. You really get a lot of questions. Here's what here's the conversation I want to have about the poll. Outside of Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. That's your top 5. Yeah. I tweeted this and I said I realistically can't put any of the next 20 teams, but let's just call it the next 5 or 6 teams in a conversation that I think legitimately that I would put money on to win a national championship. And I'm talking about LSU, Michigan, Mm. Florida, Notre Dame, Texas, Texas A&M, Washington. Some way or another, the way things shake out, someone might get in the Final Four. But what I'm saying is, can you sit here and say, LSU, Michigan, Florida, can you say Florida, the eighth-ranked team in the country, that you have a feeling, Florida fans, that they are national championship-type contenders. You could pencil them in and see them winning the national championship
3: this year. I can't get there. You can't go through the SEC. You know, I mean, that's the biggest thing to me. If a team was to do it, I feel like it would come out of a conference besides the SEC, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good good call because Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. Right. I mean, good luck with that. And, you know, and listen, usually – Last year, Clemson was the better team, hands down. You know, Clemson Molly whopped Alabama, and that was because of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, at that time, looked like the real deal, and hopes to improve improving that this year. But also, sometimes you need a little luck, and you need uh, the power of scheduling. You know, where if you're an SEC team, you got to go through the entire SEC. That's a battle compared to, in all due respect, the ACC, where top to bottom, maybe a little weaker than the SEC, right? Uh, Or like the Big Ten. Um, Same kind of thing with Ohio State or or Michigan. To me, like, see, Michigan's kind of an intriguing team at number eight, Brent, because it seems like the same story for them every single year, right? Like, they're they're rated pretty high, uh, a lot of talent, good recruiting classes, but then they play Ohio State, and for whatever reason, they just get curb stomped. Uh, That's been the narrative now for the past three or four years. This year, it's a little intriguing because, yes, Michigan's got the talent coming back, like you know everyone's said for the past how many years now, but Ohio State is lacking Urban Meyer, and you wonder if this is the year that Michigan can get over the hump on Ohio State, because if that's the fact, and they can beat Ohio State, one would assume that you like their chances for the college football playoff then. Um, So that's a team that sticks out to me, and also Texas. You know, Texas is another weird team to me where it seems like every year you hear the narrative, well, you know, they're this is the year they're going to break out. This is the year they're going to break out. Well, guess what? Last year, Texas kind of broke out it a did. little bit and kind of put a lot of teams on notice. So, I do like Texas as well. Yeah, Herman's doing a nice job there yeah. it looks like. But once again, against Oklahoma, you
0: like them? Well, yeah, it's it's really it's a good good thought because if you think about Texas and I liken it to Michigan yeah. and even Florida, are mm-hmm. schools that eh, over this decade, this this since 2010, 11, in that time frame, they've really dipped. I mean, you're talking about really good football programs, traditionally rich good football programs that have really dipped down. And now – They're trying to make the climb back. And Florida did a great job of it last year, exceeding expectations with Dan Mullen. And my contention with Florida is they had a little bit of a 2017 Jags year where a lot of things went right for them. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they won't be good this year. But to be sixth in the country to finish it and the way things went a lot of those times, I thought a lot went right. And they have to bank on that happening again or a big-time step from Felipe Franks. And I'm just not signing up for that just now. I think Michigan has brought their program back up to Uh, be um, in the conversation again. Mm -hmm. But you just mentioned it. You can't beat Ohio State. And if you can't beat Ohio State in Michigan, well, you're going to be out of a job sooner or later. And people are going to get frustrated. And he really has gotten his butt whooped by, by Ohio State that that is a big problem right now for Michigan. Can they get over that hump? And then I think you're right about Texas too. Texas uh, surprised maybe. E- they got back there. They're in the conversation, but can they get into that top 4? Can they be considered a national championship team? And that's the context I'm talking about right here. I just don't put LSU to me is not. I mean they can, mm-hmm. they can be good. They can be very good. But teams that win national championships are elite. Yes. You know, they're different. They're elite. And Clemson and and Alabama are elite. We know that. Yep. That's a given. Georgia, I think, has said has shown that they can compete with the elite. Can they win the big one? Fair question. But you know that they can compete. And you know if if Georgia's playing Alabama or if Georgia's playing Clemson, you're gonna give them a chance to win. You're not gonna be like no chance. If yep. Alabama's playing L S U or Florida or Clemson's playing LSU or Florida or Michigan I'm not giving those teams much of a chance. I'm yeah. sorry. Now, we'll see how it shakes out. But at this stage of it, they're not ready for that. They're not there yet, in my opinion. And I think the same, that's why there's such a separation at the top of college football. And some people even narrow it more than that. Some people think for the fifth straight year, we're
3: going to get a Clemson-Alabama matchup. Well, this is my question to you. Give me your top four in the playoff right now. Oh, now I'm not ready to do that. there ready to I do I got to do a little more homework. Okay, okay. I got
0: to do it, but I, I will do it. We will do it. Okay. But let me do a little more homework you instead it. of rattle off because then it's going to be out there. I want to stick to it. Gotcha. I like that. I I, I don't want to just do it. So uh, I respect it. Uh, but I, by the way, am not afraid to throw a little wrinkle in. Sure. A uh, couple years ago, I had Florida State in the mix. I was out early on that because sure. they lost to Alabama. Yeah. Uh, I did pick Georgia correctly, I think, the year they made it to the national title game to be in the final four, and not many people anticipated that. So I've had some ups and downs along the way. Yeah. Last year, I think I had Washington, and I lost, they lost early and knocked me out. Yeah. And I had somebody else that uh, lost pretty early and knocked me out of any kind of contention. Wisconsin? But, it wasn't Wisconsin. Okay. Cause I mean, that well, was, that actually, was a big. Wisconsin was a lot of people's favorite. I know. Wisconsin was disappointing last <laughs> oh, year. Oh, because
3: they are horrible. Yeah. To they, say they were the least. really bad. Yeah. Cause they were, I think, top, number four when the preseason polls came out. So, yeah. Very disappointing. You know, we talk about in college football,
0: I and mean, we'll get into it more as the weeks go along. We get closer, and we're not too far away now from Florida, Miami, mm-hmm. uh, in Orlando to start the year on August 24th. But I think college football has to ask themselves a little bit, are they like, uh, almost like feels like baseball was maybe a handful of years ago where it's just the Yankees, the Red Sox, uh the Dodgers, you know, the Cubs with a chance to win the World Series. You can almost sign them up. And that's for different reasons they were spending the most money. But yeah. it almost feels like we talk about the Power 5 in college football and then everybody else I'm talking. It might be the Power Five, but five programs, not five conferences, yeah. and everybody else. It, it there there is such a distinct separation, in my opinion. Until someone closes that gap, uh, and it feels like those teams—the Alabama's, the Clemson's, the Oklahoma's, the Ohio States—and uh, and even maybe Georgia's—in that mix. They're almost separating more rather than the gap is being closed. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of a weird place to be. I don't know if I like that in college football. I'd rather I'd rather you tell no, me that a yeah. team that's
3: 14th preseason in the country can come up and win. Of course, and the last thing you want to see again is Alabama versus Clemson, and that's I mean, all things well, considered, you right say now that's, that's the last more... thing. A lot of people you want to don't see mind again? that. I don't. I don't agree with you. The, yeah, it's just I, the I, same I, old record, I, man. I'm tired. The
0: record. They've been some really good games along I the way. I mean, you. last year Clemson blew them out. Yeah, but and and the hat. It's off to them yeah. for really separating themselves. Well, but I agree. It's like yeah. I didn't want to see Golden State back in it this year. I mean, True. I did. And I'm not going to gonna it, listen, I'm not gonna be a
3: hater. I mean, the two best teams, that's the beauty of the playoff. The two best teams will play it then in the championship. And Clemson and Alabama for the past couple of years have been the two best teams. So from a college football fan, that's what you want to see. But it is nice to get a little, uh, you know, Different taste every once in a while as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, uh, some updates on the Jacksonville Jaguars before we get out of here. I got to head over to Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. Hope to see you over there for Jaguars All Access tonight. Uh, Tony Baselli, Jeff Lagerman will join me along with Ashlyn Sullivan. That's coming up at seven o'clock on Fox thirty. So I have to fight through some traffic to get over there uh, <laughs> for tonight's show. Again, seven o'clock on Fox thirty Jaguars. All Access uh, tonight's at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. But I do want to recap because there's been some uh, news today coming out of yeah. Jags camp, and it's not good news from the injury front. Two players in particular, one, Quincy Williams, uh, slight tear of the meniscus that will require arthroscopic surgery, and he will be out four to six weeks. The good news is Doug Morone has said in the last hour that he expects him to be ready to play in week one. Yeah. Um, we'll see and will he be ready ready like available and ready to play and contribute are two different things and i think this next month being out for quincy williams will impact that i think that will really hamper his development and getting ready for that first month of the football season these practices these practices with baltimore these preseason games were going to be really valuable in my opinion for quincy williams especially given the fact that he was off to such a nice start in camp and he did a nice job in the spring and the hopes were pretty high for quincy williams i think that now gets tempered the other one to keep an eye on, and we really don't know the severity of this just yet. It's Josh Oliver, the tight end. This is a position that Jags are really lean in, and they drafted Josh Oliver to hopefully contribute right away, even though that's a tough thing to do for tight ends and young tight ends sometimes. But Josh Oliver with a hamstring, he will get an MRI and probably already had it, but the results will be back either later tonight or tomorrow morning. And Doug Marone says he'll have a better idea of the timeline, uh, on that injury for Josh Oliver. So really not good news today, no. uh, on the
3: injury front for the Jags. And ironically, it has to do with both third round picks. Absolutely. And you're talking about those soft tissue injuries, which, you know, like I said before today, uh, they can linger, you know, so especially with Oliver where it's a soft tissue injury, you you want to just casually work him back in. You know, you don't want to give him too much because then you talk about like a full grade tear, depending on what the, the the results say today. Um You know, it's hard to see for Oliver, too, because there's a guy who I think was showing a lot of promise in camp, Um a, a guy who needs his reps, especially. Listen, we know the guy can catch the ball, right? But these days, a tight end you have to block as well. And um, especially from his perspective of getting that footwork down, getting that hand placement down, learning how to block an, an NFL defensive end, uh, You know, now he's going to miss on some of those reps. So uh, it's, it's hard to get those reps in just watching film and be on the sidelines, but injuries do happen, but we've talked about it, and every team's going through them. It's got to deal with it.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's panic time. No. But it's the first dose of bad news and you're about you're bound to get it in yeah. camp uh, or before the season starts and every team gets a bit of it here or there uh it is
3: uh not a good day today for but the jags on the injury front all but things don't considered, panic, i would say it's it's bad news but it's not the worst news right because yeah. these guys are going to come back and play again
0: yeah good year. thought uh your conversation with Taven Bryan brian was a fun one you can always check it out on the action sports jacks uh on ESPN 690 podcast. You always go back and watch the shows on the video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, we're all over it, 3 to 6 every day right here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. The Jaguars do have a scrimmage tomorrow morning in the stadium. It's not open to the public, so that's different this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, today was the final day for the fans to be out there. It was a hot one, too, for the fans that did show up, but that's it until preseason game number one in a week. And then, really, two weeks from tonight, when the Jags host the Eagles, that will be the next time fans can get an up-close look at this football team.
3: Which is interesting, because usually they have the, the, the family night and everything. Do you know why they're not doing this I year? don't know exactly why. I do think
0: uh, I heard sponsors... Are going to go oh, that. Okay. I also believe
3: it's because it's in the morning.
0: They're actually oh, doing yeah. it in the morning. It's not under the lights. Sure. And I think some of that had to do with the fact that they're traveling to Baltimore on Sunday. Yeah. So if they, the only time to do it would have been tomorrow. Yep. But if they did it at night, recovery time and fly time yeah. and all that other stuff might not have added up to where they were comfortable
3: with. Well, there's then probably trying to hide that three, four defense as long ah. as possible.
0: Am I right? Am I Get right? your hand out of the dirt, Josh Allen. <laughs> Stand up and play. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. Thanks to Ryan O'Halloran coming on, and uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Friday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I'll tell you what we saw at the scrimmage tomorrow. I can't do that. I'll be there. Have a good night. We'll see you on TV, CBS 47 and Fox 30, or at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. Check out Jaguars All Access tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox 30.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.